0: And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes.
1: Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the movies covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Nick Fulton.
2: I'm Jana Gardner. Do it. Oh my! (laughs) Two weeks in a row.
1: Hell yeah! (laughs) Let's just keep it. Yeah. (laughs) We'll keep it. I love it.
2: I'm Jana Gardner.
1: (laughs) I'm Dylan Clayer. And joining us this week, we have a special guest. She is the author of the books *The Big Lebowski* and *The Annotated Godfather: The Screenplay*, the complete screenplay with commentary on every scene, interviews, and little-known facts. A Minnesota native. And most importantly, a friend of ours, Jenny Jones. Jenny, welcome to the show.
0: Yay, welcome, Jenny. Yay, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Our first
2: ever guest. This is so exciting. Oh,
0: really? No,
2: it's- I'm yeah, honored.
1: <laughs> Over a year in, and this is it. We have had Scott on, <laughs> right? oh, but not. Sorry,
2: Scott. Not. That was a special not, episode, not for a. That
1: was a weird for a <laughs> Yeah, that's not a. Uh, that's not a canon, a canonical like Ebert. <laughs> Correct.
2: He was. He was. I don't
1: know what. <laughs> Ebert's opinions are on Avatar: The Last Airbender.
2: <laughs> I could, I could guess. Um, <laughs> I think he may not be a fan. He but might
3: on love the it, though. show.
2: Mm, eh, fair.
3: I don't know if Ebert took the time to sit down
1: and watch three seasons of a children's cartoon, though. Seems unlikely. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, on this week's episode, we are talking about the Oscar winning film Argo from 2012 directed by and starring Ben Affleck based on the Canadian caper that occurred during the Iran hostage crisis in 79 and 80. Jana and Dylan can fight over whether or not this movie is good.
2: We have some bad news for you.
3: We were actually when we were wait, we were waiting for you to come onto the Zoom. We were talking about what's better, Argo or Fargo, because Jana was just watching Argo
1: last night.
2: I mean, did you watch
1: the wrong movie? <laughs>
2: <Anna>? <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, no, I we just coincidentally, well, not coincidentally. I'm watching Argo all the time. That's something that's true about me that people mm. should know. Um, I just happened to watch the last thirty minutes of Argo last night, and so we we had a little pre-podcast Argo. Uh, not not debate. I think we just Dylan's made his peace with the fact that I think Fargo is a good movie.
1: Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. I think it's funny that that's one of the movies that you like go back to all the time because I watched it and and liked it well enough and I don't know that I've thought about it really much since it won. No, and
0: yeah. As a comparison to Fargo. Oh. I,
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I no. Can't. No. It's I. So uh, I was born in the M- Middle East in the 80s, um, and so I sort of have this like weird fascination with that area and that time period. Um, not really an excuse, but just like I, I find it very fast. I have no memory of living there at all. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of compelled. Where were you, you
1: born? I, I had no. I had no idea about, about you. Uh,
2: yeah. I was born in Saudi Arabia.
3: Really? Yeah. What?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. We've known each other a couple of years now. How has this never come up? It,
2: it always comes up eventually. Um, yeah, uh, my dad was managing Safeway supermarkets in, in Saudi Arabia for a few years in the 80s. So I, I lived over there the first couple of years of my life before coming back to California.
3: So you can wow, legally never become president.
2: Uh, I mean, it's it's up for debate. Me and, me and John McCain, at least he was born on a military base. I was not. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so...
1: Do you plan on running? Is that this is yes? This is me declaring. This up? is
2: me declaring right now my intention to run for president.
1: <laughs> your, your
3: campaign speech, Argo, is a good movie.
2: And if you don't like it, you know what I'll say. Argo, fuck yourself. Um. Wow. We have digressed. I am sorry, Nick. Let's yeah. regroup.
1: It feels like it was sort of my this fault. This is
2: a, this is an early morning record. This is the earliest we've ever done this in the morning, and I, I am, am caffeinated.
1: Yes. No, we are talking about, this week, the 1996 film, if you hadn't put it together, Fargo, written by the Coen brothers, directed by Joel Coen, and I think really also directed by Ethan Coen. It was just like a weird
2: DGA Yeah, it was
0: a Director's Guild rule that they had to, and and their editor, Roderick James, is also Joel and Ethan.
2: Is them, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like, uh, uh, what's the Steven Soderbergh? He has a, Soderbergh he has a fake, has a fake guy too. I was just thinking about that yeah. as his
2: editor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, cinematography by Roger Deakins, music by Carter Burwell, and starring Peter Stormare, Harv Personnel, Steve Buscemi, William H Macy, and of course Frances McDormand as Marge Gunderson.
3: Is it not starring Jaron Carol Lynch? Am I missing the best performance? <laughs> So I is- I really
1: just read I I read up from uh, the people who are listed on Wikipedia. Oh.
2: I will fair. say John Carroll Lynch was in it less than I remembered. Like he just has this his scene at the beginning and the end, and for some mm-hmm. reason he really sticks out in my memory as being such a good part of this movie, which he is. But it was interesting to be reminded he's like just barely in it, but he's he's so memorable when he is.
0: Is that the husband?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, her husband yeah. Norm. Great. Yeah, so good. I know oh, Norm. Ugh. God, especially at the end. We'll get there. Yeah.
1: He does get Arby's all over her, though. which
3: (laughs) That was so cute. True.
1: (laughs) (sighs) So this is a movie I take we have all seen before. If you're like me, probably numerous,
2: numerous times. Yeah. 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 I don't even think I remember the first... Like, I don't remember the first time I watched it. Like, I must have just seen it when I was a kid. Like... From the video store Same when I was a me. kid, I have no memory of when I first saw it. I just like always have seen it.
0: I was that—that's how I feel. Know. Yeah, too. I was living on the west coast, which is kind of a bummer to not have seen it here in a packed movie sure. theater. Um, oh, yeah. Although not everybody took too kindly to their characterizations of Minnesotans, or at least the <laughs> accent. Um, mm-hmm. um, most people would be like, "Oh, we don't talk like that." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: While talking like that a little yes. bit, oh jeez, fair enough.
1: <laughs> Is that something that's changed over time? Like in the 25 years that this movie came out, have people warmed to it and found it more charming, or, or warmed up, like start to enjoy the portrayal?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think they always did. I mean, it's hard to not love Marge Gunderson, but um, they were a little annoyed with the with the accent (laughs) characterization but no i think um Mm -hmm. most people are pretty proud of uh our boys the (laughs) Collins.
1: yeah and they're from minnesota if people don't know so it's not like they were doing it from a place of uh mockery or maybe like if mockery some self self (laughs) it's self for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah,
0: i mean most of their characters are a little they're (laughs) mocking and yet endearing at the same time yeah yeah
1: Yeah, and they like every now and then there'll be discourse about the coen brothers are like cruel to their characters Mm -hmm. or or have disdain for their characters which i don't agree with at all and i think marge gunderson's one of the best examples of that where she's probably their best character or i would say at least it's between her and um lewin davis especially for their uh, original characters
0: or the dude it, i do like the dude i think he yeah he's true. a very he's, yeah he definitely flawed but you know humane i like, character. I like walter a lot <laughs> well if, i like walter i don't know yeah. if, <laughs> if he's if as I lovable
2: like, as yeah. lovable as the dude is
0: yeah i think he, he grows on you yeah. walter it's for sure yeah. yeah yeah
3: if anyone if they wrote h.i mcdonough and hate him i would be absolutely shocked no one can hate h.i mcdonough
0: right well and that wasn't the best collaboration so the Coens are really meticulous in how they do their films they know exactly how they want every shot every scene and so nick cage was like hey let me improvise and they're like no Mm -mm." (laughs) so he wasn't they never did another movie again together.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it's always kind of telling when you have directors and filmmakers like this who work so consistently with such a recurring cast of characters, when they have one movie with someone and then you never see that person in their movies again, you kind of assume maybe maybe that wasn't the most productive working relationship for all of them.
0: Well, and he definitely went on to more
2: um, Yeah, that's true. His career took a, took a turn. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from the beginning when he was a little bit more alternative.
3: Yeah. Out of of curiosity, Jenny, as you're one of the biggest Cohen heads that I have ever known in my life, um, what actor do you think is the best one that represents like a repeated return on investment of just great performances in multiple movies with them?
0: Uh, Well, John Goodman, certainly. I mean, Steve Mm Buscemi has been in a ton of their movies as well. And I love, I mean... There's a lot of great counterpoints between Fargo and Lebowski. They were written at the same time. Um, and some people even think that the reason uh, Walter's always yelling at Donnie to shut up in The Big Lebowski is because he's he's talking so much in in Fargo. <laughs> but um, so those two. John Turturro. I mean, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. Mm
1: hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. i think those two performances like basically back to back is pretty hilarious because they're they're so completely different (laughs) yeah yeah carl and donnie so before we get to the movie let's talk a little bit about the oscars um this was i think this is maybe one of the more infamous um non-wins for best picture so Fargo is nominated for Best Picture, nominated for Best Director. Um, picture alongside Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, Shine, and ended up losing to The English Patient. And then similarly, uh, for Best Director, uh, it lost to Anthony Mangella for The English Patient. It was nominated alongside Milos Forman for The People versus Larry Flint, Mike Lee for Secrets and Lies, and Scott Hicks for Shine. So a lot of overlap. Jim? Uh, Cameron Crowe didn't get a Jerry Maguire no. nom, which is a little surprising. <laughs> I feel I like, Jer- like there, there was com- Jerry Maguire fever in the, the mid-90s. <laughs> was. Yeah, I
3: feel like comedies, they'll be more likely to nominate for picture or script before director, because yeah. that's just how comedy movies are viewed by the Oscars, sadly. Yeah, he
2: got mm-hmm. an original screenplay nomination, which Cameron Crowe has done since. But yeah, he just the screenplay, not director.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then it had um, five other nominations, including two wins for best uh, original screenplay and, of course, best actress for Frances McDormand. Mm-hmm. So great as Marge Gunderson. Yeah. really.
2: So my my Oscar note question that I made last night, and the answer to this is probably no, but it popped into my head. So um, she kind of infamously shows up like. 33 minutes into the movie. Like, you have this long, mm-hmm. you know, series of time. I wrote down the time. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I remembered it. that that was kind of a, you know, a known thing that this you have this extended intro before she arrives in the scene. And then, obviously, we spend a lot of time away from her. Um, and I just was imagining a scenario where like strategically she gets ran as a supporting actress instead of lead. I feel like if this movie had come out in the past five or 10 years, a practice that's become so much more common, like someone would try to make a straight faced argument of like, well, you know, really, um, you know, there's not, is it really a true lead? It's this ensemble. Like I, it's an ensemble piece. Yeah.
1: It's, she's in it far less than uh Lakeith Stanfield. is oh, <laughs> in, oh, The, the man,
2: supporting uh, actor in Judas and the black Messiah. Judas and the black Messiah. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, doubt it only because she is sort of like the hero and I feel like the hero will get bumped up like she's the protagonist basically it is interesting that they have William H. Macy as supporting actor who like Mm -hmm. it's just as much his story as well um he just is uh one of the most unsympathetic characters (laughs) I've ever seen on screen (laughs) so not not quite the same vibe as she has yeah
1: so I haven't seen um the other Actually, no, I have seen uh, Shine, but the other supporting actors' uh, nominations were uh, Armin Muller-Stahl and Shine, uh, Edward Norton in Primal Fear, who I actually have not seen that movie, and then James Woods in Ghosts of Mississippi, but they all lost to Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire. I can't speak to the other n- nomination, or, uh, you know, Norton and James Woods, whether they were more um, worthy of winning, but I think Cuba winning over William H. Macy is just absurd.
2: It was just so flashy. Like, it was, it was like yeah. the, in the zeitgeist, you know? I mean, remember, I'm, remember 1996? I'm, I'm not a fan. Everyone yelling, show me the money. I <laughs> like, that was. <laughs> I,
1: I, I do remember that. I, I'm not a fan of either that movie or that <gasps> performance. You
2: guys don't like Jerry Maguire?
1: I, I don't like Jerry I, Maguire. It's fine.
0: I it do have to say, I liked the Cuba Gooding Jr. story more than I liked the main. The love story, but yeah, mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger. Guys are yeah. crazy.
2: I love Jerry. I love Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise should have won that Oscar.
1: I'm very hot and cold on Cameron Crowe. Yeah. That's like, fair. There are movies of his that I that's, am nuts for.
2: That's that's fair. I am also. I just happen to like this one and not most of the other ones.
0: Well, like,
1: do you
2: not like Almost Famous?
0: Oh, I like Almost
2: Famous. Yeah, Jerry Maguire and Almost okay. Famous are the ones. But I'm I'm not out here buying a zoo or. uh Going to Aloha or what have you? He's he's made some missteps.
0: Yeah. I love Francis McDormand's performance in Almost Famous. Oh, so yes.
2: she's, oh my god, so good in that movie. She's so fantastic. Yeah.
1: Her and um, uh, oh god, what's her name? Kate Hudson.
0: Oh yeah, Kate. Hudson. <laughs> that is her
1: name. We're, we're both nominated, and and you get the sense that Francis maybe could have won two in the span of I think it's three years. But Mm -hmm. maybe there was vote splitting because I I forget who she was up against. But I think it was somebody who it it was just like unequivocally not as good a
2: performance as her.
3: We just read the article yesterday about those Oscars. They they lost to Marsha Gay Harden.
2: Harden. What a thrill.
3: Oh, yeah. what? Oh, that's what it was.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I haven't seen Pollock. So I have no. no... It's not good. Is it really not good? No, not too bad. I would just describe it
3: as every basic dot like a bio biography trope that you can imagine for a movie it's just a, there like You're a tortured like, tortured artist okay
4: overcoming the ads like,
2: yeah yeah
3: <laughs> like it, it reminds me a lot of like something like the king's speech where king's speech is not a bad movie but like anyone that's like the king's speech right. is like the best it's movie. a like competently made, where that year, just made like, movie mm-hmm. yeah are you sure, sure?
1: Did Jeffrey Rush win for King's Speech? Because he won this no, year. He for didn't. No, he didn't. Okay. This is his only I know Oscars. he was nominated.
3: I'm okay. glad okay. he has Shine. an Oscar I never would have voted for. Has,
2: has anyone... Have you seen yeah. Shine?
3: Yeah.
1: I
2: have. It's okay. been a I long haven't. time. I haven't. I, no, that, talk about a movie that nobody talks about. Like, right. I, yeah. dude, I don't get a lot of rough pop culture references to Shine anymore. I mean, less like... Probably the least out of looking at these movies, I mean say what you will about the English patient, like, people bring up the English patient, like, it's sort of now, in the culture. But, but that...
0: don't they bring it up to make fun of it? Probably. I mean, yes. I have also, I mean, I also I haven't the seen the English patient. That's what I was going to ask, Seinfeld is it the movie there.
3: The Seinfeld, where uh, yeah. Elaine goes to the movies yeah. and she's
2: like, this?
3: She this is stupid! Doesn't,
2: <laughs> she doesn't understand why everyone likes the English patient,
0: yeah.
3: Elaine knows but what's the Secrets
0: such. and Lies is one of my all-time favorite movies, so.
3: Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I Love Mike Lee. So... I have hot takes because I would vote for Secrets and Lies over Fargo. I'd vote for Brendan Blython over Francis McDormand.
2: Those are hot takes.
3: Yeah, I know. that. I, like, Secrets and Lies is a top 15, top 20 film for me. And I think everything about it is perfect. And Brenda Blython gives, like, top 10, top 20 all-time leading performance in that movie for me.
0: That moment when she realizes... Because at first she was like, oh, you couldn't be my daughter. And then she remembers.
3: Yeah, and then she's like,
0: oh. The facial expression is so incredible. Yeah. Um, But, well, do we want to talk about Fargo? Because I would say, I mean, my... What podcast are we on? My favorite scene in in Fargo, or the one I thought was so Minnesotan... um, is when uh, Marge is in the Radisson with Mike Yamagita, and
4: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase Minnesota nice. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't mean nice. It's sarcastic. It means passive aggressive, not really connecting to people. And when she gets chilly in that scene, to me, that is—it's just so Minnesotan. And she—and you just see it in her eyes. It's not, you know, in her posture a little bit. Um, it's not anything that she says, but that—that mm-hmm. switches flipped where she's like, "Okay, now this is getting too personal," um, and I can't. That whole
3: seems a little too personal. Yeah. Okay, I will say to be fair though, like I do think Francis McDormand in Fargo is also one of the best all-time lead actress performances ever. It's just for me being such a big secrets and lies head, like it's just Brenda Blythe wins it by the inch. But the fact that both of those have to be in the same year in the same category, it's mean. It's yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, Frances is Francis McDormand's amazing in this oh my performance. God, every every time it. I watch yeah. it and every time I watch it, I get something more out of it. Because so Same. much of what she does is so subtle. And kind of like you were saying, Jenny, a lot of it is her sort of internalizing things or oh, she yeah. can't she can't say what she's thinking. Like I, I always think of the scene of her sitting across from um from Jerry Lundergaard when she goes to see mm-hmm. him at the at the dealership and i it's like I think it's the second time um, and she can she just knows like she can just tell by his reactions and then of course sees him driving away out the window and her entire every reaction in that scene is so perfect it's just played so well oh it's so great uh, yeah she's fantastic
1: yeah we'll, we'll talk a lot about it. I think Minnesota Nice because actually on re-watching it this time all of her interactions really stuck out to me and not just the mike yamagita but also her interacting with um jerry lonergard specifically that's in the uh, blu-ray version that i have there's actually like a half hour documentary about the movie and the documentary is called minnesota ah. mm. oh,
2: nice Nice, <laughs> yeah.
1: So the movie opens on a title card and it says, This is a true story. The events depicted in this film took place in Minnesota in 1987. At the request of the survivors, the names have been changed out of respect for the dead. The rest has been told exactly as it occurred. And famously, uh, that is a (laughs) lie.
0: They're really just fucking with us. Yeah, <laughs> can I see yeah. from minute one? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
2: Yeah, no, I. It's it's just the perfect opening. Like it just sets the tone so perfectly. It's, it's
1: so grim. And the, it's so the funny. The specificity of yeah. the specificity of even giving the year. It's like, well, this has to be true, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So in in it, that feature, they actually um, interview a couple of the actors talking about that and. Francis says, uh, if an audience thinks it's true, they will go with it longer. Like Because the plot is so sort of convoluted and absurd, um, having that in the back of your mind that this is a true story, even though we know now that it's not, um, people are a little bit more willing to go with those twists and turns. And then Peter Stormare said, it is a true story, but it might not have happened.
0: (laughs) Yogi Berra. Well, and not to... (laughs) To bring everything back to The Big Lebowski. But it's another interesting counterpoint, I think, between these two films um, written at the same time, where um, it's a very naturalistic style of filmmaking, Fargo, and they say it's a true story, and yet it's not. Whereas Big Lebowski is this grand, you know, dance sequences and dream sequences, and yet um, a lot of that is based on real people. Um, Um, I just think it's a funny... mm -hmm counterpoint
3: Mm -hmm. uh talking about how this movie looks um how does this like rank in your deacons Cohen brother sort of collaborations because i think deacons just shoots the hell out of this movie
0: it's it's amazing and apparently it was um a not very snowy winter that year so to create Mm -hmm. snow um but yeah Mm -hmm. no it's it's that with the score, I think it just sets the mood so well.
3: I was going to get to Carter Perl's score, I, but...
0: That,
2: <sighs> that was my first note that I just wrote down was that the score and the
0: cinematography
2: are probably top Cohen and like underrated just because they've had so many other great mm-hmm. examples for so long it's easy yeah. to sort of forget when they're all excellent but man mm. those just the shots of the of the cars just, just like going down the snowy roads and the, the score is swelling and it's just such a simple image and it's it's so gripping just with the music and sort of the blinding white Ugh, it's it's so compelling and the vast the very first yeah
1: mm-hmm. the very first thing i have written down is also just great score <sighs> Because yeah. you hear it immediately yeah. playing over the title card. Yeah. I love Carter Burwell. I, I think he's one of the most underrated um, film composers.
4: Same. Absolutely.
1: So we open in Fargo, North Dakota, and Jerry Lundegaard, played by William H. Macy, is meeting two people in a bar. It's Peter Stormare and Steve Buscemi, um, who are playing kidnappers, and he is meeting them for the first time, but they already have a deal worked out. He's giving them a car, and he's supposed to be giving them $40,000. There's some disagreement as to whether it's upfront or not. And then Carl, one of the kidnappers... Basically, in, I think, well done exposition lays out Jerry's scheme, which is, you want your own wife kidnapped. Isn't that (laughs) robbing Peter to pay Paul? And the deal, of course, is that Jerry's father-in-law is rich and he's gonna have his wife kidnapped. They're going to put up, uh, ask for $80,000 in ransom. They're gonna split it, 40 for him, 40 for them, and they get a Cutlass Sierra out of it <laughs> that he is stolen from his uh, where he's a car salesman. Tan Cutlass and, Sierra, well, <laughs> yeah,
2: yes, <laughs> Tan, a tan Sierra, Sierra, Tan Sierra. <laughs> just the just the most perfect example of a nondescript car is just a tan <laughs> Cutlass Sierra. Like yeah. it's perfect.
1: <laughs> and he he says to them like his one thing that I am a little bit unclear on. He says he's in trouble financially. Is he actually in trouble or is he really just doing no. this so that he will have money for the lot? No.
2: He's been embezzling from his car dealership, right? Because that's the whole thing with the, the fa... I don't know why he needs the money or what he's doing with it. I, I couldn't quite mm-hmm. connect that. But the, the conversations with the guy about the serial numbers and faxing and we sent you the money and what cars are they securing,
0: mm-hmm.
2: he has some sort of harebrained embezzlement scheme yeah, going yeah. on. In yeah, just in
1: essay he makes it sound like um, the serial number issue is that he's u- he's doing that to cover up the Sierra that he stole.
0: I think yeah, I think he was doing it. But bef- I
1: think it's a,
2: beforehand. Yeah, he he, like, he got yeah. A loan. I think it's a bigger scheme. He, he than used
0: that. these cars as collateral for a three hundred and I think eighty thousand dollar loan.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. but either yeah. he
0: doesn't actually have the cars, or he, you know. Yeah, so didn't he fudged the them. serial numbers on it. Yeah. And so yeah. the guy is saying he'll have to pay all that money back. So he's yeah. really in trouble financially. Yeah. But we don't know why exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's not there's not like, an, it's, you know, it's not like his, he, there's not some sympathetic reason, right? Like it's not like his kid's sick or they're going to lose the house or whatever. Yeah. Like he has this, I can, I, if anything, it's probably just competition with his jerky rich father-in-law is <laughs> sort of the uh it's like the his only way to feel sense like a man. we get yeah yeah well there's a lot of that in cohen brothers movies also yeah
3: <laughs> looking at george Clooney you yeah, brother the... where i thought right oh, there God.
2: oh yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and the movie itself doesn't really care about sort of the background of his Screw like him. how he got into the hole we just know that he mm-hmm. needs to dig himself out of the hole and i like that's fine. I don't really need to know the the nitty gritty. But, um, so he makes a deal with them. They're going to kidnap his wife, Jean, who we meet in the next scene. Um, it is him and Jean at home, and uh, he's got a teenage son. And then the father in law is over for dinner, and he proposes this big land ownership deal. They're going to he he wants to get money from him so that he can buy land and turn it into a parking.
3: Look lot. Look at those parking lots, Jerry. <laughs> Just look at that yeah. parking
1: lot. So I did see that um, Jean, who is played by Kristen Rudrud, Rudrud is a uh, a native of, um, she's a native of Fargo, actually. Oh, wow. She went to, oh, nice. she was born there and went to high school there. So.
3: Well, I think nice. part of this movie is only one scene of, is, actually takes place in Fargo, which is kind right. of a joke.
2: Just the opening love, scene, right?
0: I love yeah. that, yeah. <laughs>
2: I do too.
0: Um... Well, and all these, if you're from Minnesota, all the details going on in that scene with her, um, the Steve and Sharon on the TV show, that was an actual TV show with this married couple, and they're not um, embellishing at all. Like, that's exactly what that TV show was like. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so, uh,
2: yeah. That's great. Yeah, this is one of those movies where I, it, it doesn't uh, affect my enjoyment of the movie in any way not having any familiarity with the the geography of the area but you can tell you can just tell the care that was put in like when she's talking about coming down from Brainerd and like all the you know the twin cities and um you can feel the sort of what that life is like for these characters and that they would know sort of okay you're coming from this town and you're going down to this place and that's the big city um and even though I couldn't point to half the places on a map i said, like it works in terms of how specific yeah. it is
0: go bears Yeah, go go bears. Bears.
2: that's my
1: favorite my favorite line in the whole movie that was actually my my whole letterbox Close. review was go just bears. go bears <laughs> go bears in the fist uh, emoji great so um we spend a little bit more time with Jerry in one, one of my favorite scenes. It has one of my favorite lines. I, I have like twenty favorite lines in this movie, but um, Jerry and a customer fight over something called true coat on his car, and the guy is under the impression that he didn't need to buy it. And Jerry says, "Oh well, there's nothing we can do, and this is how they comes with the car already." And I'll talk to my boss. I like
3: the way you're delivering and... these lines compared to the guy that Jerry's <laughs> okay. talking to who is delivering these lines. Well, <laughs>
1: well my favorite line of the guy is what he comes back and he's jerry says he could knock off hundred dollars and he goes you're a fucking liar like like he he has to muster up the courage to to swear at him and And then his wife like grabs his arm
4: it's okay okay." (laughs)
1: And she like she's like trying to calm him down, like he's about to deck him, and really the climax that he's building up to is just like saying a, doing a swear, as as Meg would say.
2: <laughs> yep, exactly. <sighs>
3: but uh, great scene. We've
1: yeah. never done this before, yeah, so we learn a little.
3: My boss said, "You like knock a hundred dollars <laughs> off that true coat."
2: Oh my god! They put on factory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so if if you weren't convinced that uh the guy who is going to have his wife kidnapped was a weasel um you also see him selling a car well, we also see is, uh... him
3: actually talk to his boss and that conversation does not go as he uh pretends it goes
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's basically him just walking oh, yeah. in and the boss is eating he... like
3: fast food watching college hockey or whatever or high school hockey yeah. and he's just like you going to the gophers this weekend yeah yeah you got an extra yeah. ticket?
1: Nope. The, w- the way his boss responds to, do you have an extra ticket, with such disdain, I think is really it's funny. It's probably the angriest like, any, any you of the eat- Minnesotans look in that <laughs> entire movie. <laughs>
0: Go for hockey. Why would you ask me Ugh. that? It's, it's important stuff.
3: Yeah. Go Bears.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well
1: Scotty even does his own swear when he's told he can't yeah. do hockey.
4: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Um, it is in that scene actually where where Scotty does the swear that wade jerry's father in- law calls him and says he's actually interested in this deal his his <laughs> numbers guy looked it over and everything actually looks good I love this scene so yeah so Jerry now has uh in his mind he he doesn't because <laughs> <laughs> he he did not clarify the specifics on any of this but he's under the impression that he's about to get a whole lot of money. Yes. So he talks to Shep Proudfoot, who is one of the mechanics that work uh in the the garage of the car dealership. He's the one who put uh, Jerry in touch with Carl and Gare, and well, I guess just Gare because he doesn't vou- he doesn't vouch for doesn't Carl. which I, vouch for Carl. I love that he don't he know him.
0: vouches for Gare who. <laughs> Who's gonna vouch for that guy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had to
2: pick one of the two guys that you would maybe recommend, I would not put put my money on uh, Peter Stormare no. over there.
3: Yeah, I mean, at least Carl would just get like arrested because he's an, like a, a nitwit. But right, Gare's gonna murder Betty. Mm-hmm. people. Yeah,
2: so many people.
1: Yeah, and not only, like he. I we're jumping way to the end here, but murdering. The person you kidnapped because they were being annoying <laughs> when you haven't been paid yet yeah. is like, I would say, not smart. i call it short sighted. Uh, t- <laughs> yeah, it's not the best tactical decision. He's... I have another tactical uh, or, or, or financial, like poor fiscal responsibility thing that we're going to oh, talk that, about in a couple of scenes. that
3: in the movie? This yeah. whole
0: movie well, is about low... poor
1: fiscal
3: responsibilities. Oh,
0: no. Responsibilities. <laughs> well,. It's oh, this upgrade. one, this one's going to be a real... Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's true. The one, the one I have locked and loaded is going to be quite stupid. Okay. So. okay. Get excited for that. So um, Jerry wants to cancel the deal because he thinks he has all this money coming. He says he's tried to call them, can't get a hold of them. Does Shep have a way of getting hold of them? He's like, no. And Jerry at that point is like, okay. <laughs> Not going to try any harder. Yeah.
2: Oh, well. I asked
1: seems like uh, maybe he should.
2: Yeah, well, I mean... I,
1: they are going to kidnap his wife.
2: I think I can see why, you know, like you were saying that, you know, Roger's take was maybe that he didn't even necessarily need the money that was just about having his wife kidnapped, like, it, he's not, he doesn't go out of his way to avoid it, basically, right? Like, you can, it's, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's got some resentment issues about his wife and her family that, uh, money aside, he yeah. obviously... You know, it's well, not glad to see this happen.
0: And he clearly doesn't even give a thought to his son. Like it doesn't even occur to no. him. That his son might yeah. be affected by this.
2: No, not at not at all. It's literally not until he sees his son being sad where he's like, "Oh, oh, yeah. oh okay, yeah, we'll we'll t- we'll take care of it." It's like it didn't even occur to him. Yeah,
1: I hate Jerry. So I much. love that scene. <laughs> yeah, he's bad. I, I love that scene, and it's such a um, great portrayal of how the Coens are masters of switching tone around. Mm -hmm. The only other filmmaker I know who does this um, at this level is Bong Jun ho. Oh yeah. But but they they go from like hilarious goofball, like Steve Buscemi like not shutting up and having the whole bit about like, all right, I'm gonna stop talking. I'm not talking anymore. (laughs) Look at me not talking. To like horrifying violence to like silly stuff happening during the kidnapping. That. To the son being like heartbroken and terrified, and Jerry just like you guys said, not on his mind at all that this would affect something other than his pocketbook. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So I we're I'm, I'm assuming we're about to get to the the kidnapping scene. Oh no, we, we, we yeah, got, yeah let's we have get to talk to it.
3: about one scene first, which is the deal scene because one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is, We're not a bank, Jerry. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Just this whole yeah. scene where he's like
3: no i don't want a finder's fee
2: oh god yeah
0: well i hate to be nitpicky (laughs) but the one one thing in the film i thought was not minnesotan or betrayed minnesota was um after that scene when he he gets in his car and then he gets a scraper and he kind of freaks out on the car Mm. he hasn't turned the heat on yet to get his car warmed up and I was like, mm. nobody, nobody would be scraping their car without turning it on first. But
2: that, That's where, that's when you remember that uh, William H. Macy's from like Florida. Yeah. Over <laughs> he's from, he's not, mm-hmm. doesn't have that ingrained Minnesotan uh, knowledge.
3: Well, and legendarily, almost Maybe got road ro- 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 oh,
2: I was <laughs> ran over Ran by me.
3: over by a, a podcast co-host. <laughs>
2: Yes, uh, I was not going to retell my William H Macy story, but I did almost once. He was jaywalking in oh. downtown Los Angeles, and I had just Wait. moved here. Have I? I've told
1: this William H Macy committing oh. William H Macy committing, committing a crime, a
2: crime, some some crime in L.A. Who knew? He was carrying no. one of his daughters. That's how long ago this was. One one of the daughters he. I was going to say, William
1: H. Macy committing a crime in some way involving his daughter? <laughs> was yeah. filming
2: a movie downtown LA and I got lost because of the streets being closed for filming. And so I was driving through a part I wasn't familiar with and I saw a guy come like running it through the street carrying a kid and I had to hit my brakes. I wasn't like close. I just was like having had to stop unexpectedly. And then he turned and looked at me and it was William H. Macy. And that was my William H. Macy encounter. Um, but That's he, he lived to see another day. Ah, sorry, guys. Too bad. <laughs> People skip episodes. Good it's story. Fine.
1: Good, good story every oh, time. Uh, just to be clear, I, I don't know which one it is—libel or slander—but no charges were actually filed against Macy. Um, though his his wife did. He so, he, uh,
2: it he does let seem his wife. Like the, uh, the mothers
0: took the fall on that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let the, let the moms take the fall for sure. Um, ah, Felicity. Sorry. Although didn't
1: didn't um aunt. Mas- Jesse's Massimo husband yeah, didn't he Massimo actually have some, charges against yeah, him yeah I think
2: Massimo's serving a little bit of time as well oh well yeah <laughs> all right
1: I can only I can only try. <laughs> sorry digression uh, okay so uh, the kidnapping scene yes. um, Jean is sitting at home knitting watching TV and she sees a, a masked man peek into her house her reaction to seeing him <laughs> of just Huh. I wonder what that is, and not. Oh my God! There's a masked man yeah. with a crowbar. Yeah. Um, so that is Carl. He breaks in, and then Gare comes in through the front door. They chase her. She um, locks herself in the bathroom, opens the window, and they think she escaped. They she. Did did um her with the phone in the bathroom remind you guys of any movie that we've watched recently for the yeah. show?
2: Oh um detour. Yep. Yeah <laughs> yeah. It so taking I, the phone I, into the bedroom. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know that that was a, a purposeful um, homage, but it certainly I was like it oh, probably was another. Uh, i was just saying
2: yeah. yeah they know everything. Probably yeah, it, it might have been. Yeah, and I will say, and detour yeah. is kind of about a fumbling criminal like he that, that guy could have been a cohen brother's character yeah. frankly
3: seriously
1: yeah let me see if searching for fargo and detour although i think i'm only gonna get traffic i was gonna say you're just gonna uh, get
2: information about
1: <laughs> yep the the city of fargo fargo streets at fargo dot is the first thing that comes up so uh ah, well.
3: not oh, uh, not great God.
2: seo for either of those movie titles <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah um do it's I, I think it's really funny how uh Peter Shoreberry realizes that she's just hiding in the shower. Do you remember what he's doing? Oh
2: right.
1: He's looking for
3: unguent. <laughs> he's,
2: he's like rifling through the medicine cabinet, right? Putting... Yeah, because
1: she uh, bit him. He...
2: So Yeah, he's, he's putting like he's Neosporin just... on his hand. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he just mumbles unguent a couple times. Oh,
2: God. Oh,
3: it's too funny.
1: Yeah, And then she um, bursts out of the shower. She really... Uh, <laughs> probably could have just laid low and it's maybe maybe been fine
2: it's the funniest thing that i've ever seen like because i was laughing it, it, that
1: it really i is
2: it's to me it's like the ur cohen brother scene because it's it's so dark what's happening like oh, it's, it's so violence and it's kidnapping but when she comes bursting out of the bath shower and she's wrapped in the shower curtain and then tumbles down the stairs i was laughing and feeling terrible about how much i was laughing which is like a very cohen brothers experience oh mm-hmm. god
1: it's yeah it's great it's it's really like i mean the only other filmmaker like i said bong Jun ho does similar things with um I'll say stare related sure. also stare related things yeah. in, in parasite Absolutely. that you're you're laughing and and like within a split second you're like, oh yeah. no.
2: <laughs> like, like I said is be not funny. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly.
4: Yeah. <God. sighs>
1: so the uh, the kidnappers have Jean in the backseat of the car. They've let her out of the trunk for some reason. Yeah, I don't really know why. It seems uh, like not smart planning on their part to have the the kidnapped person like in a bag in their back seat. But they get pulled over because of their tags. I love this scene. Um, it's just so incredibly tense. It's terrible the entire time.
3: Yeah, is this the most intense the Coens ever got outside of No Country for Old Men?
1: Oh, all right. I was gonna say, I I think one actual thriller, um, yeah, yeah. The hotel scene in No Country for Old Men maybe tops this in terms of like your skin crawling from tension. But otherwise, this is this or maybe the end uh, shootout from Blood Simple. Yeah, yeah. That that one. um,
0: Miller's Crossing has a few moments. I feel like
2: oh, Miller's Crossing too in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, This was my first time. <laughs> this was my first time rewatching Fargo since I had seen Blood Simple, I think, and it's such an interesting like comparison to see you know twelve years apart basically because it's there's a lot of similarities in terms of
0: mm-hmm. Francis
2: McDormand being in it um, and a lot of the imagery um, you know like with the cars just in the sort of white out of the snow as opposed to the dark blackness of Blood Simple um, that and it's just so, so
3: dark. It's, as as yeah. in, like, just color palette.
2: It's Literally and figuratively. Yeah, true. Um, but I, I like seeing... It was interesting to sort of observe the the progression, if you want to call it that, that sort of takes you from Blood Simple to Fargo, where it does a lot of the similar things, but Fargo's operating on a whole other level, I feel like.
0: Well, and pretty much all of their movies are, on some level, film noir. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. This mm-hmm. is no exception.
2: Absolutely.
1: Blood Simple was—is that right? Did I click that? It was shot by Barry Sonnenfeld. Yes, that's Whoa, what I saw he's a cinematographer. Wow, it's their first
2: movie, Barry Sonnenfeld, a cinematographer. That's yeah, very he strange. was at looks good
0: NYU with Joel. So <laughs> that's wow. amazing. It was shoestring yeah. budget. They they went to the yeah. Jewish community of St. Louis Park and uh, <sighs> got you know small do tons of small donations and did it.
2: Yeah, An incredible it's amazing. Looping.
0: Sam Raimi was involved, too, I think. Oh, really?
2: I I believe, yeah, because they were all, like, buddy-buddy back in the day, the Coens and Francis McDormand and Sam Raimi, and and that, Blood Simple feels like a Sam Raimi movie. Like, it has, you know, or at least on, with just sort of the the shoestring, super low-budget, that kind of, like, early Raimi vibe, yeah.
0: Well, and Holly Hunter and Francis McDormand were roommates, and Holly Hunter Mm -hmm. was actually supposed to be in Blood Simple, but then... There was some kind of conflict. Hmm. So she's, yeah, I, um, I there's that. a phone call in in the uh, in the movie where Holly Hunter's. I don't remember. She answers, or she's like this voice on the answering machine. He's the
2: Voice on the phone.
0: Yeah.
3: Now, yeah. when did Francis McDormand and Joel Cohen start dating?
2: They got married that year. They got married in the 84? year that
1: Blood
3: Simple came out. Oh, wow, pretty quickly. So were yeah. they like college uh, romance?
2: No, I think they met at Blo- I think they met Blood Symbol. Yeah. Oh, I I believe okay. they met because yeah. I think the story and basically exactly what Jenny said, which is like Holly Hunter had the part and but I think she got like cast in a play or something. Yeah, something happened where she just couldn't do the movie and was like, My roommate would be really good and introduced them to Frances McDormand who ended up being francis mcdormand and marrying joel cohen and having this amazing career
1: that worked out out so well for both of them on like so many levels really
2: yeah for
3: their first two movies they have each of one of holly hunter and one of francis mcdormand in the lead Mm -hmm. roles i really think the better like fit happened where francis mcdormand is sort of this darker yeah um sort of character
2: and holly hunter hasn't been in one of their movies since Oh Brother, right? That was the. I don't think so. Last time, that's too bad. She should. She, she hasn't should a really acted again.
3: in general since then in any sort of major.
1: Yeah. The one thing like I can like think of is like maybe Big Sick, Succession.
2: Yeah, uh, movie wise, Big Sick, succession. and she's been on Succession. Yeah, she's doing some she, other TV too. Yeah, she
0: yeah she had a TV series, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Was she in Top of the Lake season? No.
0: Yes.
2: Oh. Was no? Oh. Well, one of one or of the, season. I two. think season two. Oh, okay. I'm picturing her with, like, the very long hair, like, long white hair. Yeah, she has long yeah, hair yeah. now,
3: and it's still very, very strange to me. Because yeah. all her movies that I think of her and she's got really short or bobby
2: hair. Yeah.
0: Broadcast yeah. This is like, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: That's I love be. broadcast news.
2: This is, yeah, I was going to say, this is, a uh, well, I don't know if Holly Hunter could be in Fargo, because I don't think Holly Hunter can sound like anything but <laughs> Holly Hunter. i can't imagine her trying to do the minnesota accent i feel like not that she couldn't do it but i feel like i would just it would not sound right coming out of her
3: can anyone try to do a holly hunter impersonation i cannot absolutely not you don't want to say bona fide like she would say it no brother
0: turn to the right
2: that's that's the best one to do and then and then bona fide is the other good one yeah he's bona fide Alright, so the All car, right. car's pulled over because they didn't put yeah. the tags on it. The worst reason to get pulled over honestly. Oh my god, what are they? They're <laughs> yeah, so like,
3: stupid. Just Why rookie so mistakes. Stupid?
1: So, um, he says he's gonna take care of it and his method of taking care of it is to try to instead of just saying like, oh, I'll put the tags on there in the back, I forgot to and I'll do it, it like right it. now. Yeah. Which, you're I feel like, well, from what we know about these cops, he would have been like Oh okay.
2: Yeah, yeah it didn't seem overly aggressive until uh, he tried to hand him a lot of cash. Yeah, instead even he tries a wad, to bribe it was just him a fifty. No, yeah. Yeah,
1: you got to spend. You got to spend more than that. Um,
0: I think that the he, officer was offended, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's you get the impression that the officer um, would have been fine with the simple apology, whereas the insinuation that he would take a bribe. Elevates it or escalates it to, all right, sorry, you got to get out of the car. And um, that obviously does not go well for him because they. He gets grabbed by Gare, who shoots him in the head uh, and he bleeds all over. Oh, daddy. Carl's face and lap. Oh, daddy.
3: <laughs> what is what, what Steve so, doing there?
1: Carl has to hide the body and. As he's dragging the body, another car comes by. Slows down to looky-loo at the crime scene. And Gare jumps into action and realizes that he needs to chase them down. So he does. They uh, get into a high-speed pursuit. And the car flips, rolls off the side of the road. It's upside down. And he uh, executes, basically, both of the... Uh, the passengers in that car
3: i feel so bad so, for them
1: <laughs> yeah I
0: and mean, one was young right
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah both of them both of them look pretty young like when they're driving by you get a, a better look at the driver who um looks like a young guy and then the the woman is in the passenger seat also looks pretty young mm-hmm. and even the detail that Frances McDormand gives about her being shot in the hand oh that and saying that's a defensive wound like that it it's just a chilling depiction of like the, the coldness of that murder. Yeah. So at this point in the movie, 33 minutes in, we meet Marge Gunderson, who's woken up by a phone call in the middle of the night. Um, Her husband, Norm, insists on, she tells him to go back to bed and he says, no, I'll fix you some eggs, which is a very nice thing to do. So they sit down, have a nice breakfast. He has to help her. Jump the prowler. And they go to this uh pretty wretched crime scene where a state trooper and two innocent bystanders have uh have all been shot in the head. One was shot in the back. Pretty gruesome. Yeah, yeah. I guess two only two two of the the three were shot in the head. Really excellent descriptions of this movie.
2: (laughs) Well, actually. Um no, it's uh it is quite gruesome actually. And like especially when you know something that I wouldn't have thought about when it um sort of goes in for a close up to her examining the bodies and it's all like frostbitten, frozen over because it's like yeah, someone's mm. been out in this body's been out in the snow all night and it's so creepy. I th-
1: just think I'm going to barf. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just just the morning sickness. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was a big one. So
2: oh god. <laughs>
1: That's a that's a like a, a pretty late cause they say two more months, so she's presumably seven seven months pregnant.
2: I had that yeah. exact that's, thought. That was gonna be my nitpick too. I'm like seven months yeah. morning sickness, goodness.
1: And that, that does it happen, does. but man, that's it's, that's that's rough. That's rough luck if you're one of those people who's just sick the entire time. That's not fun.
0: But clearly she's also hungry a lot of the time, so
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: and <laughs> like immediately afterwards she's like, I could eat.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's also looking at dead bodies, so it may be yeah. multifactorial as to why she's uh, thinking she's going to barf. She doesn't actually throw up, though, does she? No, no. I don't think so. Yeah. so.
0: Although not, vomit yeah. is a theme in Coen Brothers movies, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not in this one. So, and and not, not
2: to jump ahead, because we will get to it, but man, if she was going to throw up at anything, you would think maybe it's at the very end, what she <laughs> ends up observing because I <laughs> felt yeah. like, I felt a little queasy imagining uh, what it would be like to encounter that level of gore and uh, she holds it together.
1: Um, yeah, well, she she's very like, um, obviously we see it in this scene with uh, maybe the most famous line in the movie where she says, I'm not sure I agree with you 100% on your police work there, Lou, which, oh. which feels like very Minnesota nice. It's the type of, you're wrong but i don't want to say you're wrong overtly like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna skirt around saying you're wrong uh so as to lessen the blow right
2: yeah especially because his mistake is so like so basic like it's like oh the 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 register it starts with dlr like you're like oh no sir (laughs) It's not how car tags work did you um,
3: did yeah. you guys notice in the Ebert book, he wrote down the, uh, quote, wrong? Oh,
2: oh no. He said, I'm he?
3: not sure I uh, agree with you 100% on your police work there, Irv, instead of Lou.
1: Oh. Did he? I didn't notice that. Like, Bad out of editor. all the things you could have Irv. messed up in that sentence, it's not even a what did, close name. What did Irv, what did Irv do <laughs> yeah. to get thrown under <laughs> the bus for Lou's shoddy police work?
0: Roger.
2: Roger, Roger.
1: Who's Is Irv the guy who uh, talks with the other guy who called it in?
3: Could
2: be. I don't, I don't even think there's... No. No.
1: I have absolutely no idea what, what
3: Raj was thinking there, but... Uh,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, Roger. He'll do that to you sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they figure um, from Marge's deduction that they need to not look for a license plate that starts with dlr but they need to look for dealer plates mm-hmm. so this is the other uh thing i wanted to talk about she she tells lou a joke and she says say i have it pulled up say lou did you hear the one about the guy who couldn't afford personalized plates so he went and changed his name to j3l2404
3: he's
1: <laughs> like yeah yeah, that's a good one. So I, I don't have um, numbers from 1996 pulled up, but uh, presently in the state of Minnesota, um, the cost to get vanity license plates is $100, but the fees for changing your name legally is $314. So the guy in this joke <laughs> Here's
4: didn't, your have kind of didn't have the money.
3: I cannot believe this is the, the quality of research we get on this podcast. <laughs> incredible
0: believe it
1: yeah <laughs> unfortunately i couldn't go back to, to see how much um that stuff would have cost in 1996 or, or i suppose 1987 when this took place now. yeah yeah so I, I will say but presumably changing your name costs three times ish as much as uh vanity plates
0: yeah
2: i
1: seems like a pretty big mistake on uh j3l2404's part
2: <laughs> i i love Frances McDormand in that, like her little smile after she gives the joke, where she's just kind of like, "mm-hmm, mm-hmm," is so charming. She's so funny in that scene.
1: Yeah,
3: and I think Roger brings this up in his review, but sort of like the way she interacts with the policeman during this entirely gruesome uh, crime scene, mm-hmm. and sort of at her work, mm-hmm. everyone's just pretty laid back.
0: Obviously, not from around here. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I liked
2: is I'm so conditioned to expect cuz it's such a trope in like police movies that like the the different, you know, police officers are all going to be competitive or oh, you you came from this other town and now you're down here and like but no, everyone's just friendly and working together and sort of supporting her on her investigation and no, you know, no one dismisses her because she's a pregnant woman like professionally mm-hmm. or anything. It's just it's it's nice. <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. It's better than a lot of the police work that Minnesota's been doing recently. I'll say, <laughs> yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit. Good.
2: Lord. Yeah. No, oh, Marge.
1: Yeah. Um, so we uh, see the kidnappers are taking Jean to this this house near the lake, and they have her run around with the hood on, which uh, is another one of those scenes that is doing such a good job of towing the line uh-huh. between really funny and just like quite fucked up yeah.
3: it's
2: really well because especially because like, she's like wailing and it's so mm-hmm. like like pathetic in like the like sort of like literary sense where it's just the saddest like she's so scared and oh it's it's she's wearing really
0: flip-flops in the snow <laughs> <laughs> looks yeah. so cold oh yeah
2: yeah it's uh poor Jane <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So the cops have tracked down the hotel that um, Gare and Carl stayed in, and they arrange a meeting with the two um, prostitutes that they met with earlier on. So it's two young women, and they have this. This may also be one of the more famous quotes: the the prostitutes' descriptors of.
3: How, how do you think Steve Buscemi felt Maybe. about this part of the script? <laughs>
2: Uh, funny looking guy i said the other scene was maybe my favorite scene this might be my favorite scene yeah (laughs) in the movie when she's talking to the two women go bears oh god just every interaction is so great
1: yeah i do wonder like poor steve buscemi like
0: Oh, I think. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he knows. I think he, he knows his place. It. Yeah, he yeah. knows his yeah, place in in Hollywood. He's not and, a, a leading man,
2: right? I mean, his his whole yeah, he's he's successful due to you know being Steve Buscemi. So mm-hmm. I think he's okay. But it, I, I always have that thought too, though. It, whoever the actor is, when there's like an extended dialogue or plot point about them being like unattractive or funny looking or something, I'm like. Ah, real double-edged sword you get to be a actor in a movie and people are making fun of how you look Mm. but you know Steve Buscemi can laugh all the way to the bank he's fine.
3: Is he uh, in a leading role in any of his major movies? I don't think so.
0: I feel like what was that movie that he directed Um, something about trees
2: what? Oh I'm intrigued. I know Oh, trees! Trees Lounge?
0: Yeah, I say.
2: Um, I say, I I say as, as someone that. who literally just clicked on it on Wikipedia, um, I had not heard of that either. The biggest like role for him that I associate, where he's sort of like the male lead, would be um, Ghost World. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's still that. The, the two girls are the, really the more the main characters, but.
0: Tree's Lounge is good. I recommend Trice it. Trees Lounge, interesting. And then
2: obviously he was
0: like the lead on
2: Boardwalk Empire. Like he yeah, had his own like, TV I, that's show why that he's the, the lead on. Shows. He did, yeah, get that. yeah. He he had a pretty prestigious TV show. Yeah.
3: Um, who is he in Pulp Fiction? I don't remember
2: him. Anymore. He's the
1: he plays the Buddy Holly. Uh, the Buddy Holly waiter. Oh yeah, yeah. five dollars. You know. Yeah, that's right.
0: I do. You know, his, I do think my it's, favorite it's, it's, Coen Brothers Steve Buscemi role is Chet. In Barton Fink. Chet? Oh,
2: in Barton Fink. Oh. Okay. oh.
3: It's, uh, I'm Chet. I don't think I, I, would, think I would have ever man. guessed that you would have said that, but I think it's a good call.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not one I think of when I think of, like, Steve Buscemi and uh, Coen Brother movies. Like, I think of Reservoir Dogs in Fargo and Big Lebowski our, probably First. Our-
1: yeah, he's he's um, it's it's a big ensemble, but I think he's if you had to pick one lead uh, from Death of Stalin, he's probably ostensibly <sighs>
2: that's pleased, true. That's probably right?
1: true.
2: That's pretty. Close, but that's yeah.
1: but that's one of those movies where, if if the Academy went nuts for it, it would be like five supporting noms yeah. and no. Lead. He
3: is billed first on Letterbox, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's funny that his first movie that comes up in Letterbox is uh, Pulp, Fiction. Pulp Fiction, yeah,
3: cuz that came up first and I was like, "What?"
2: That's yeah. that's yeah, just the I mean, that's just the internet two, being two goofy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it 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 goes by the popularity of the movie itself and not the popularity of like... Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of that's just their al- fi- the I think way their algorithm works. Pulp Fiction works. is the number one most popular movie on Letterbox anyway. That's is it
1: funny. I thought it, I thought it
3: was Parasite. That's the highest rated. I don't know if it's the most popular, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares?
2: Steve Buscemi was really good in King of Staten Island last year. I saw that and I was like, way.
3: "Dang, Jenna's." Yeah, he's really weird, good on it. Underrated. It's a sm-
2: my, my weird, yeah, my weird fascination with King of Staten Island. Good movie. Um, he's just like the uh, sort of head of the firehouse, and it's not a very big part, but he's really good in it.
0: Which he is in real life. He's a, he's a volunteer right. yeah. firefighter. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
2: Which is an awesome so, fact about him. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, the and other I thing it, yeah, right. that I like about this, the characterization, is um, it's really a trope of Coen Brothers to, to put diametrically opposed people, you know, the big guy and the little guy together. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean,
3: they do that with do the rest of our dogs, same. too.
2: Or, or in Lebowski in, with him and John Goodman? Oh my and God, Lebowski, John Goodman is and then literally him
3: and, an entire chest and head tall.
2: Yeah, and then him and, and Stormare here is so funny.
3: I think I still mainly associates to Buscemi as Randall Boggs. So I think is that's that short. um,
2: uh, Mo- monsters, monsters. Yeah, it's monsters. Monsters, Inc.? Inc. Okay, but I think <laughs> like that's the monster movie age a little. <laughs> That That is. He's also in those Hotel Transylvania movies. Um, he does a lot of voice work.
3: Maybe someday, if I'm hosting a podcast with someone younger with me, they'll be like, oh, I associate Steve Buscemi with Hotel Transylvania, and I'll be like... See? Oh, my God. You, too,
2: you too will be old someday, Dylan, and then you can roll mm. your eyes at, at somebody else's youthful. <laughs> True.
1: Yeah, which I do need to point out that John Carroll Lynch in this, was two years younger than i am now yeah yeah which, um, how, how does that make well, you feel nick
2: well like like dylan said if i can look the same john Carroll lynch looks the same now as he did he 25 years it's ago a, so if i can look the same in 25 different. years i would be thrilled um but yeah he's a sprightly like 33 in this movie <laughs> yeah. uh, and Frances mcdormand who's like five years older than him is she's like 38 in this movie and she looks fantastic like Frances McDormand yeah. looks phenomenal well, in this movie. If that's
3: how old she is in that movie. How, how she looks now, she still looks fantastic. Oh, a-
2: absolutely no, she's oh, she's definitely goals, especially considering that she is very sort of famously like she doesn't really wear makeup. She definitely has not mm-hmm. had any work done. Like she could not give mm-hmm. less of a shit about any of that. And yeah, she's aged very well. She looks fantastic.
1: She seems incredibly cool. Oh. Like, yes. that's what It's I, just very yeah whatever like. I'm just doing my thing.
2: I read so many good interviews with her this year that she did for promoting Nomadland where she would spend some time like walking through a park um, in the non-disclosed small Central Coast town she lives in because she would let reporters come interview her. But she said just you can't say what town I live in. Um, and it's like somewhere on the Central Coast in California, I think. And um, just like, yeah, seems like just the coolest, just the most genuine. Like she she is who she is. Uh, God. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be mad if she wins another Oscar on Sunday. Jenny, did you see yeah. *Dormatland*?
0: I did. It's good. Yeah, it's
3: good. It's She's good. so good. She's amazing. She's really... yeah. 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 What do you think your favorite francis McDormand performances?
0: This one, *Fargo*.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's probably true, but I mean, I want to, I want to give like a contrarian answer and be like, oh, it's. Burn After Reading, but it's this one, come on. She's really good in Burn After Reading, though. (laughs) She's great in Burn After Reading.
0: That movie is ridiculously funny, and
1: she's a mean part of it.
3: That movie is
0: underrated, I feel like. Very underrated. Yeah. It's a really funny movie.
3: It's arguably Brad Pitt's best performance.
0: Yes! Even (laughs) even I, like,
2: even I, like, it often takes me a couple... Watches not not always not remotely always, but occasionally it'll take me a couple watches of Coen Brothers movies to, like Get On the level because like you don't and burn after reading is one of those where i had no idea what to expect and so at the end of it i'm like i don't understand like i I know the joke i I know i know the joke is like you cannot understand what just happened but like i yeah that's totally true
0: yeah of the big lebowski too where i feel like the first time you're trying to follow this really convoluted plot and then you get to the end and you're like oh the plot didn't matter so it didn't (laughs) so then you can watch it and just appreciate it right
2: and you're not sure if like you're supposed to be laughing at these things cuz it's like this is this funny but this stuff is serious and yeah it kind of you kind of have to like give yourself permission i feel like to just go with it and so yeah i've my my burn my takes on burn after reading have just i it's grown in my estimation so much since and the first time so i saw funny,
3: it it's so funny the the role frances mingdorman plays in that where she plays someone that's like trying to do it so much like uh, facial right. surgery and totally like, superficial yeah. yeah and it's just <laughs> like this is so anti-francis mcdormand and then again like brad pitt that movie is playing literally the dumbest human being on earth his his scene them. in the car with uh john malkovich is one of is i think we chatted about it in a our group chat at one point but i mm-hmm. think that's the funniest Coen brother scene ever yeah it's um, really good osborne cox
4: And you, I take it, are Mr. Black? Yes, I am. You have the money? Uh, The $50,000? That's what was agreed upon, Osborne Cox. All right, let me explain something to you, Mr. Black. You know who I am, I know who you are. Perhaps. But appearances...
3: can be deceptive. Yeah, what you're engaged in is blackmail, that is a felony, that's for starters. Parents can be deceptive, I'm a mere
4: good Samaritan who- Secondly, the unauthorized
3: a. dissemination of classified material is a federal crime. If you ever carried out your proposed threat, you would experience such a shitstorm of consequences, my friend. That your empty little head would be spinning faster than the wheels of your Schwinn bicycle back there. You
1: think that's a Schwinn? Now,
3: (laughs) give me the fucking floppy or the
1: CD or whatever the fuck it is. As soon as you give us the money, dickwad.
3: You think that's a Schwinn? (laughs) He
1: thinks it's a Schwinn? (laughs) Uh, I still think that their their funniest scene is... uh, Please, Mr. Kennedy. Cause when I saw that in theaters, I was like falling out of my chair. One of the hardest I've ever laughed. Just at everything Adam Driver is doing in that.
2: It's so funny. two one two
4: three four two. ten nine eight seven six five four three two one second seven, six, five, four, three, two. One second, please. Please, Mr. Kennedy. I don't wanna please go out of space. Please, Mr. Kennedy.
3: I sweat when they stump me
0: in the pressure socks rubble, hell, and flashboard and boots I'm Nowhere a bit in gravity. Space. I need to breathe
4: or
3: need to be a space. are you reading me loud and clear and
1: roll? Outer? Oh,
2: yeah, I, so, I was double-checking oh, to see if I had a contrarian take on the best Frances McDormand <laughs> performance, but I I don't really. It's I, probably this. But I really think Almost real
3: Famous is pretty close, though, for me. That would be my number two. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. Yeah. ridiculously good. And also, Raising Arizona, a personal Cohen brother favorite movie of mine, she's so great sure. as, like, the... Um, It's uh, Holly Hunter's sister, right?
2: No,
0: uh, she plays... Or not sister, so friend? It's, she yeah, plays it's one the... of her friends. Oh, it's a
3: friend. But yeah, but...
0: It's she Nick Cage's um, work friend's wife, so they have the, oh, the right. couple over. Yeah, Some but yeah. decent like people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the they're intent. not very decent. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, also, because I have to, she's really good in her relatively small part in Moonrise Kingdom as yeah. the mom yeah. in that movie. It's not not a huge part, but she's so good in it.
3: We love Frances McDormand. This oh. is a Frances McDormand. We do. McDormand yeah,
2: yeah, we're we're, we're fans.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so she, from the prostitutes, learns that the uh, the two funny-looking guys and the one who looks like Marlboro Man uh, are going to...
3: He just smoked a lot of Marlboro. They
2: just...
1: <laughs> when they, every time they say that line, I'm like,
3: what? <laughs>
1: um, oh, they're going to the Twin Cities... And they're able to track down phone calls that are outgoing from the hotel to Minneapolis from the night that they stayed there. One is to Shep, Proudfoot. So Marge goes to Minneapolis. And I love the line when she she gets into the hotel. And instead of asking, can I use your phone? She says, is there a phone down here, you think? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah.
3: You think?
1: It's just... Yeah, it's just another like indirect way of sort of the... I, I'm not sure I agree with your police work.
2: Yeah, right. is there a phone she, down here? Yeah,
1: she doesn't quite say exactly what she means. She has to go around it, and mm-hmm. because it's impolite
0: way. to be direct. Right. Yeah, 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 which is ridiculous. But. Uh, do you
1: do you feel
3: like you have to deal with that at all in the state that you live in?
0: Oh, absolutely, and I think the only way that I would. Be able to recognize it, though, is because I did live in another city for a while gotcha. and then came back and was like, oh, I get this now. <laughs> but like, All right. here's a stupid example. I bought a house and asked um, there was a, a swing on the porch. And I was like, oh, put that in, you know, that I want that swing. And my realtor was like, you want to ask for that? <laughs> I'm like, well, Yeah.
4: Yes. And then that's she funny. reported
0: back to me that the owner was like, well, I was going to throw that in like just the fact that I verbalized that mm-hmm. request was
2: Can, can oh, you well, imagine uh, someone from
3: like rude. Boston moving to Minnesota as far as like the traditional roughness? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: God, that that's Yeah. So the so, so the awesome.
1: way you have to get the swing is say, well, if you're planning on getting rid of the swing, um I, I wouldn't would,
0: mind yeah, having if it. You, yeah. yeah, I or really if, like, like that swing.
3: Yeah, that's oh, the I way know. you'd have to approach it. Well, they'd throw it I in, maybe.
2: Find you that story you. so terribly stressful. Yeah. Uh, it's like, just ask for it. Yeah. Make sure you get it. You can't count on somebody to just throw it if in. if you don't get
3: it, fine.
2: Like, oh, right. People sue each other. Oh, gosh, okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then you have to deal with it.
2: I was going to say, and then it's my problem, and I don't want that. Mm. Yeah.
1: So Jerry goes to visit Shep, uh, but Shep is occupied because he's talking to a cop who, of course, is Marge. Marge. And then when she's done talking to Shep, she goes to Jerry in his office and asks if any vehicles have been stolen, specifically a tan cutlass Sierra. And he um, blows her off can- and she goes, yeah, sure, basically.
2: Can- just, cannot the que- like, just cannot answer the question. Like, th- mm-hmm. this.
3: Is this the most awkward anyone has ever been in the history of the universe?
2: It's so hard to watch, and William H Macy is so good in this part, but Jerry Lundegaard is so awful that it's. Yeah. You, I just find it. I mean, you're just not even good at being a criminal. <laughs> just lie to her. Like he just doesn't oh, even know how to answer her. It would message.
1: be so. E- well, I think that's part of like the 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 Minnesota nice mindset is that he maybe doesn't quite have it in him to just lie to her. Just tell. Yeah, just tell, like, just tell and agree, just lie. Although he is lying to, you know, his father in law, although he's probably getting like a little bit of a high doing that <laughs> since uh, he hates him so much. Yeah. But yeah, it would be very easy to be like, oh, yeah, we we checked this um, once a week. And since it's Monday, I actually checked this morning and the inventory is perfectly fine. So, um, all right. Yeah, thank you for your concern, though. Maybe try, Yeah, you know, there's other dealerships in the area. Mm.
2: See, you could totally pull this off, Nick. <laughs> If she asked you, you could you have a whole story ready to go.
1: Oh yeah, I'm a true true sociopath. <laughs> well he is a sociopath, uh, but
0: he's a bad liar. <laughs> just, yeah, he's yeah, a he's, yeah
1: he's, he's he's a sociopath, but he's a, a bad liar and really hasn't thought through any of the details oh, no. of, of any of this stuff. None.
3: Okay, so Jenny, this is something that we were also chatting about in our group chat last night. Is Jerry Lundegaard the most incompetent Cohen Brother character of all time?
2: In their long history of incompetent criminals. I mean,
3: they love it. It's one of their favorite avenues.
0: (laughs) Possibly. What what do you guys think?
3: My only response would have been, um, if it counts as criminal, is uh, Josh Brolin in No Country for Old Men just being the absolute nitwit of deciding to take a bunch of drug money
2: taking that money in the first place. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that one decision might be so bad <laughs> that it <laughs> equals everything else. Um, yeah. No, it's I I don't know. It's I think it's up there. I, it, I think he's it, just so I think so, it might be,
0: yeah.
2: He's cuz everyone I, else like even like Josh Brolin like, yeah, that was a a very very bad idea, but he he scraps together and evades, you know, lives longer maybe itself. than you. Yeah, literally evades death for longer than you would expect. Um, is he dangerous?
0: He, he, you know, he seems to be in denial of you know what his power and control is in the world too. Like to not yeah. realize that the father-in-law is not going to just who also is incredibly greedy is not going to yes. give him a million dollars and let him take care of it. I mean, no way. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, he yeah that a guy that a guy who has that kind of money and power like of course he's gonna insist on controlling the situation he's not gonna like he the, everything he hates about his father-in-law is why it's gonna play out the way it is because he's gonna yeah s-
1: why it's not gonna work right
2: out. yeah it's like now you're not gonna all of a sudden get the better of him like come on dude yeah
1: I think the real answer to the most incompetent um, character though is probably from what I think is their worst movie which is the lady yeah. killers yeah. And they would just be sure all of them yeah
0: I don't think anyone would disagree with that, that it's the, their worst movie. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, it's... I, that's...
0: Well. Yeah.
2: It's, it's their I'll only it not good movie. Yeah, because even... People don't really like Intolerable Cruelty, but like... I do. A, a Cruelty, do that's you? That's a solid I just, movie.
0: I, yeah, I think it's, it's perfectly fine. It's like, like it's a 40s screwball, a, you know. Exactly. I, it's I really... Yeah. Anything that Clooney does... Come on. I was gonna oh, say true. it has mm-hmm. can't, can't go, go wrong with Clooney. Right. He he and you're gonna get...
3: chemistry.
2: Really good. Oh. Yeah. That's... And like
3: if I ranked them all out, it would probably still be towards like the bottom. But sure. it's still good. I have
1: it I have it second to last. Yeah, but yeah. I have all... it third
0: I... to last. Good, except yeah. Have...
1: What do you have second to last then? I'm
3: not a big man who wasn't. Mm- there oh, you time.
1: don't like the man who wasn't there. It's Yeah, uh... yeah I knew that.
0: I find that's a real dividing movie. Like, people yeah. either love it or don't. Dark movie. Uh, I had a hard either, time with it. There's something and that I, clicks with you or it doesn't.
3: And I, I don't hate it. It's just like a...
2: Although... It's like a two and a half I, I'm the same or three out in Letterboxd for yeah, me. It's I just think like it's, it's all right. There.
0: Except... I also... You know, oh, there's one shot in the movie that I just love. And it's... Uh, well, it's a reference to Night of the Hunter. When... Um, hmm. John Polito is killed and he's sinking into the water, and his hair piece is like flowing yeah. behind him, just like in Night of the Hunter with her hair and she drowns. Well, yes. if anything in
3: that movie is great, it's Roger Deacon's cinematography.
0: Oh, yeah. Because
3: it's some of I, his best work, but as a I, movie I, on the whole,
1: and, it's. And that's their only black and white movie, and I don't know. Uh, I can't, at least off the top of my head, think of any other black and white movies that he shot.
2: No. I don't think not that I can think of. Yeah, I, I owe that one a revisit because I haven't done this. I do too. Like, I, I watched it the first time and was sort of <sighs> mystified yeah, I, by the I tone, don't... and I, I should give it a second shot because it. I mean, it I looks I don't think phenomenal. I've seen it
1: since it came out. I did. I, I did not like out. Billy Bob since Thornton
3: in the lead role, and I think that was sort of my main point of contention.
2: Yeah, that'd be tough.
3: But um, it's it's fine. It's just. To back to it, it. And, uh, why do people dislike Intolerable Clarity? There's nothing to dislike there.
2: I think it's just it just wasn't what people like when it came out at the yeah. time i think people just didn't know what to make of it like it it was a, that's a weird stretch for them after oh brother and then man who wasn't there intolerable cruelty lady killers until it goes back to no country in oh seven like i think people just didn't know what to make of intolerable cruelty but yeah. i i like it's it sweet. i saw it in theaters <laughs> it's yeah great.
0: it's nice so my my fun clooney fact and i don't remember which movie this was he had I think he had been in maybe three Coen Brothers movies, and on the last day of shooting, he was like, "All right, that's it. I've played my last idiot for you."
3: <laughs> <laughs> I hope it wasn't before *Hail Caesar*, though.
2: I was gonna say, cause, yeah, well, he, yeah, uh... no,
0: then he did go on to, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah.
3: okay.
2: Yeah, they go, yeah, because yeah, he's
3: is yeah, *Hail Caesar* oh, his stupidest character.
0: I
2: mean, oh brothers, oh brothers, a...
0: no, and
3: <laughs> yeah, him and *Burn After Reading* is pretty dumb as well.
0: Yes,
2: yeah. Ugh, so good though.
3: It seems like they kind of uh, did their best to not make Clooney like a total idiot in Intolerable Cruelty, but it's still there.
2: Yeah, he's just a little, yeah, he's just a little, always a little goofy. Um, Yeah. He's never done a totally serious character for them, huh?
3: No, I don't know. Not for
2: them. Not for them, yeah. That's so funny. He's not
3: like Siriana or Michael Clayton.
2: Yeah, he's not in No Country for Old Men or something. So interesting.
1: I think they use him really well. Oh, I think really only them and Soderbergh have like mm-hmm. figured out the best way to to deploy Clooney, oh. and they do it in such completely different ways.
2: Such completely different ways. That's what's so good about it. Out of sight, and it's like
3: his two best sides are like yeah. his suaveness and his dumbness. Are just at the peak when he gets into work with those two people. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Out of sight's great because he is, like, incredibly suave. And yet the very opening scene is just profoundly stupid what he
2: does. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I still need to watch it. You do. Yes, Soderbergh does a good job with him because it's even the same in, like, Even like the Oceans movies and stuff where he's the most suave character alive, but still will end up in sort of like goofy hijinks situation. So it's a good balance. Yeah.
1: So we've put off uh, talking about what I think is like maybe one of the most widely discussed scenes of the entire Cohen's filmography, which is Marge meeting with Mike Yamagita. So Mm -hmm. he'd already called her once in the middle of the night to just Basically, say, Hey, I, I saw the news that there was this crime scene and it made me think of you. So she uh, decides to have dinner or lunch or something with him, and they meet at a restaurant. And he.
3: <laughs> they meet at the Radisson.
1: Yeah, at the Radisson. The, yeah. Can't go they...
3: wrong. <laughs> can't go wrong. It's the Radisson, so it, it's nice. Oh,
4: God.
1: He um, updates her on his life and he. Got married to Linda, who was a year below them in school, or something like that.
3: Oh and
0: yeah, Linda Cooksey. And she, <laughs>
3: what a name! They have great names for all. That well, characters.
0: and those are all, um, actual like people they encounter. So, so there was um, a Lebowski at their high school. There was a Yamagita oh. and a Cooksey, um, okay. and they just sort of store that away and then use it as. That's
3: a great way to. Put out some great names into their movies. Yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, like whoever was the Yamagita, like, must hate them. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, sorry. So uh,
1: and of course, Mike Yamagita is played by Steve Park, who we've seen Steve in a Park. Uh, another oh, small role. Yeah. I in, didn't
0: realize uh, that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: So he's the uh, the Korean grocer from from Do the Right Thing.
0: Yeah. He's
3: also in a serious man. As far as other by the movies go,
1: in mm-hmm. one again, of the in one of the part. the bonus features on the Criterion, too, I don't think I talked about this on the episode, but um, on the Do the Right Thing bonus footage, they they're like bringing mm-hmm. the cast back years later to talk about it, and he out of nowhere just drops into his racist tirade that he does, uh, and and oh, still geez. had the whole thing like completely memorized, even you know twenty or whatever years later. Which, what, uh, is, which he, is pretty
3: uh, great. I believe it. Is he like railing on the Jewish person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the mayor yeah. of New York? Yeah, okay.
2: Ugh, God. Yeah. yeah, he had a... Yeah, he, he's pretty iconic. Like, Steve that's Park. pretty impressive. Yeah. love Steve Park.
1: Yeah. So, Mike, um, this is the scene that you, you'd you brought up, Jenny, where, or the moment you'd brought up, I think, where where he tries to sit next to Marge, and her way of saying no to him, like you can, she she says no in the politest excuse of a way, like, "Oh, I just don't want to have to turn my head to look at you." Mm-hmm. But you can really just, That's you can see in her eyes that, like, why are you sitting next to me? What the fuck is wrong with you?
0: Yeah, it's so awkward.
1: It's yeah. this
2: whole scene is so tough. Yeah,
0: and, and then, then you find out it's not even true. Yeah. I know! <laughs> that is
2: killer. I I had forgotten. I've seen this movie so many times, and I, I remembered that, like, he was basically kind of a, a creep, but I was like, oh, right, he's just a creep because he makes her so uncomfortable, but when you get the, the reveal I forgot from that the th- that too. other woman, mm-hmm. and it's ten times as upsetting. Well, and
1: when you first see it, I mean, he is being creepy and inappropriate, but then he's talking about his wife who died so you feel a little bit bad for him like at the same time there's like real mixed mm-hmm. feelings that you have for this guy and then yeah when we learn more about this story uh well we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it but i do love that he called her a super lady because
2: uh he does call her a
0: super, March lady. Is a
1: super lady he's right mm-hmm. yeah. can you say it like steve park said it though i can't
0: well and she definitely Dude, she's getting some something from this. Like she she dresses up with her, you know, bow blouse. Yeah. yeah. Bow tie blouse. And yeah. it's kinda you know, he's treating her like a celebrity in a way, you he saw her on the news and mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you get the sense. I mean, she she obviously didn't have to go see him or anything, you know. And like I said, she kinda dresses up and you know, she. I'm sure it was mostly being nice, but also, like you said, she kind of gets to feel good about herself, Um, and then you feel bad that it ends up just being so awkward. And
3: Raj, Raj mentions in his book, and it's, I think, the next scene that we're going to get to, Um, that in this scene she sort of realized how she could sort of handle an idiot like Jerry, given the way he sort of interacts with her. And it's almost this sort mm-hmm. of bridge about how, if I force an issue... I can kind of get him to break the sort of lie that he's trying mm-hmm. to tell.
1: Yeah. So, and, that, and that's, I think, like, if you, um, like, the first, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I didn't really understand what this scene was for. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I saw it when I was 13 or whatever. Um, but it's really doing two things, and it's both of them are kind of spurring Marge to um, go back to Jerry. And the two things, at least in my reading of it, is one, um, she sees that Mike is a liar and she's like, well, maybe this other guy is lying. But also it, it makes her a little bit more assertive because when she goes back to Jerry the second time, she's dropping a little bit of that Minnesota niceness and she's being a little bit more like putting her foot down. I need you to actually look into the stuff that I want you to look into. And then, of course, Jerry uh, can't handle that and fleece the interview. He's I'm fleeing cooperating, I'm interview. cooperating <laughs> here. I'm cooperating here.
2: Uh, yeah, no- nothing screams I'm innocent like when someone asks you a straightforward you question and you start shouting about how yeah. you're cooperating. <laughs> sure. Okay, sure, you have nothing to hide. That's that's normal behavior.
1: Yeah. Um, so before we, we go back to Jerry, though, Carl is on a date with a prostitute to see Jose Feliciano, which is a pretty cool... Pretty cool, Dave. Yeah. He does. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he does the uh, the cover of California Dreamin' that's featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, among other. Um, I mean, he's he's oh, he's, he's wow. got a, a million other things, but that's uh, relevant to at least Janet and my uh, obs- obsession say, with our, that our movie. <laughs>
0: and he yeah. plays
2: himself. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. A real good cameo, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah.
1: He also has like the most famous version of Felice Navidad yeah mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: so Steve or Carl I guess um, you know it's a good date it's take... not
3: very personable mm-hmm. but yeah
0: well it's oh it was though, it was, Felice this... was
1: written by him okay it wasn't uh, just right. that's why his version is the most famous <laughs> version it's because it's uh, his version there we go
2: yeah oh yeah his composition yeah. well wow. um no, I like in this scene, I mean, okay, it's it's awkward. He's he's Carl's taking this prostitute out on a, out on a date to go see Jose Feliciano. But, like, it's so funny because he's trying to just engage in conversation she's with her. Here, and you yeah. can tell that this is just so abnormal. Like, he's basically asking her, so how how long have you worked for the escort service? How do you like it? And you can just tell, like, presumably when most men take her out, they kind of probably want to pretend that, like, this is a, a, a yeah. real date, maybe? And that she's not a paid escort. And no, he just wants to chat with her about her job. Mm you can tell she's just like, why are we doing this? It's so funny. Yeah, she's
0: like, on the one hand, sort of disgusted with him, but also very impressed by <laughs> the venue. Yeah, she's
2: kind of just like, yeah, this is nice, you know. And I like how he has a whole little spiel about how, well, it depends on what show you can see, but this is Jose Feliciano. So this is, you know, we're, good we're doing night. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: He's not wrong. Yeah. No. no, he's so not wrong. So their uh, date ends poorly because yes. it <laughs> ends with... Uh, Shep kicking oh my kicking God. her out of the room, like literally kicking.
2: Physically throwing yeah. her off of the bed and out of the Some room. Some other yeah, guy and who, who uh,
1: just happens to be saying like, hey, can you pipe down in there? Uh, gets beaten a little bit. And then Carl gets nearly choked to death and then whipped with a belt because <laughs> oh he uh, accidentally led Marge to Shep's doorstep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I do enjoy the way this scene is is edited and put together so that it it follows Shep out into the hallway to like kick mm-hmm. her out and like beat on that other guy so that by the time he comes in like see, Carl's had a chance to put pants on <laughs> so it's not like a <laughs> I just look him, I'm just looking at the like oh that because he's like pulling his pants on when he comes back yeah. in I'm like oh yeah that's a that's a good way to avoid having to like beat him up to, naked to, to and do like children. the uh,
1: the. Eastern
2: Promises bathroom. I was was going to say, imagine Eastern Eastern Promises, but it's Steve Buscemi instead of Viggo Mortensen. Yeah,
0: that's a different movie. Just something something to consider. Yeah.
1: That's one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen in a film because, like, naked knife fights. Just
2: Just danger everywhere you look. So,
1: um, after that, Carl is basically, we're getting this thing done. This show's going on the road. Um, so he calls Jerry and says, we're doing this shit right now. Wade leaves. I don't think, I think I've glossed over um, that Jerry's, part of Jerry's scam is not just scamming his father-in-law, but he told Carl and Gayer that they're going to split $80,000. His mm-hmm. real plan is to, ask for a million dollars in ransom <laughs> and he's going to give them 40 and keep the other uh, what would that be 960? Yeah. Or I guess at yeah. this point 920 because they're sort of saying hey we want all 80 after we've had to kill three people. Yeah. Right. But Wade right. leaves without him so Jerry's going to get zero of it. Yeah. Um, they meet on a parking deck on the roof, Top of Wade Dayton's of a what?
0: Dayton's, which was a department store. Um. Oh
4: wow!
2: Oh, God the the Im- the imagery of the the parking, like the roof of the parking garage, is some of my it's favorite. Like how awesome. stark mm-hmm. and everything it looks. It looks so good. It's know?
3: also probably the most intense Coen Brothers scene, specifically besides yeah. the ending of Blood Simple and the hotel shootout. Yeah. No country
2: yeah this this scene is yeah yeah, and especially
3: because like it's like everything is going so wrong and it's like the intensity of no country for old men with the same like i cannot believe how stupid this all is this is killing me
2: yeah well and steve buscemi's performance too is just he he gets so ratcheted up yeah he he go he totally goes for it and it works so well because yeah he would be freaked out and and like desperate and angry and confused all at the same time Mm -hmm.
1: so wade uh is insistent on seeing gene before he gives him the money carl's pissed off that this is a person who isn't jerry because i mean in his mind jerry is still pulling the scam so when he sees somebody else um right like why is there this other person there I mean, he gave simple fucking instructions. Yeah. He yeah. Uh, doesn't react well to that and just decides, screw it, I'm just going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. So sh- and
3: what what does the father-in-law say as he's falling down, dying? Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh,
0: <laughs> yep. Well, uh, he wanted to be a tough guy, so that didn't go yeah. so well. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, He does get one... Uh, he he gets a lick in, though.
3: And it's so close. Oh, God. Steve That's Buscemi shooting him the, holding like, his jaw. face together while kicking the shit out of the father-in-law is just one of the most terrifying, yeah. intense, and silly things I've ever seen.
2: It gets real bloody real fast yeah. in the final act of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of goes from being comically violent i mean again this is what they do but it goes from like being comically violent to just being really bloody and disturbing Mm -hmm. pretty quick
1: so uh carl grabs the box
3: hold hold on i I do want to really quickly uh follow up because jerry drives into the parking garage as well Mm -hmm. and um he sees like buscemi like driving down and when he steve buscemi gets up to the um gate similar to when he was at the gate when he tried to switch the plates there's this person oh. that's just like you still got to pay the flat rate oh, and it, it's like they put that gag in there that he had to pay the flat rate and it comes back we don't see it this time but we know that this there's this Minnesotan guy that's playing minnesota nice with a guy that's holding his yeah. face together mm-hmm. that will just eventually yeah. just shoot this one yeah mm-hmm.
2: the the most uh distressing thing for me in this entire movie was that apparently it was four dollars to park for a whole day at the airport <laughs> for the long-term daily parking. As someone who's about to go to an airport and probably pay like 10 bucks to park for 30 minutes, I'm like, yeah. four
0: dollars to park for that? Stop complaining about the four dollars, just yeah. pay it. It's not even $87, come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say, that's just, uh, I uh and it, it works though because Everyone's so cheap in this movie. Well, that's and, the thing. <laughs> oh, over,
0: I mean, it's incremental, but everybody gets fucked by just, just little yeah, tiny things. Yeah. Like the car. Well, we, we haven't gotten to that, but. Oh, I yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I think car. that's hilarious yeah. that the, the car is what kind of tips and, it over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. So, although uh,
3: when, when Jerry drives by and sees the gate operator that just been shot, like, is whole face is just completely blown off yeah. and that's my favorite jeez. oh geez yeah yeah and it's Watch this, we're...
0: this scene of him sorry in yeah, the car seeing, yeah, of uh, like yeah. just yeah like oh i love driving that by and it's
3: seeing. a great shot oh. and it's like this oh. horrifying thing and he just goes oh jeez. oh jeez."
2: yeah that's the whole movie yeah um
1: so we we have a brief scene that uh like after all this Oh, uh, I'm skipping past uh, Carl opens the briefcase, sees that there's a little bit more than $80,000 in there, <laughs> decides yep. he's going to scam Gare the way Jerry had planned on scamming the two of them. He's going to give him his half of the money, bury the rest of the money in, um, I mean, not the best place to... First of all, he does not no. bury it very well No. at all.
2: Oh, no. No, not it, that's, it, yeah, that's that's gonna rise if it goes this. up to
1: 40 degrees. Uh, somebody else is getting that million dollars
0: <laughs> in Brainerd in yeah. the middle of winter. It's not going up to 40 degrees, yeah. yeah I so, I guess he true. figures he has a few months to go. Although, I don't know where he, he's from, but
3: but the way he marks yeah. it is with like a clear uh, uh, windshield wind scraper, which is like, yeah, you're totally gonna see that, yeah, yeah. That's
1: such an iconic and, image of him like looking down either way and okay. there's no landmark the long at all. Stretch, just, yeah. try, t- trying to get away with this is going to be so futile and he doesn't realize it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: this sort of addendum scene that happens here is an inspiration for another movie that came out recently um, called Kumiko the Treasure Hunter, which mm-hmm. I know most of us haven't seen, but uh, Jana, you really like that movie.
2: I do, yeah. I mean... That- Just for anyone who hasn't heard of it, um, it's about a a woman who um, watches Fargo and sees that it says that it's based on a true story, believes that it's based on a true story, and um, decides to come, she's in Japan, decides to come to the United States and find the money that was buried. And Kumiko is... Kamika the Treasure Hunter is kind of based on a true, based on a true story, almost in the same way Fargo is. Like there's an urban legend that there is a woman who did this or, or a version of this. Um, it is um, really, really beautiful. It is very similarly shot with all of the snow and everything, um, but it is a deeply sad movie. <laughs> so don't, don't put it on, on a, uh, like a Saturday night fun movie time. Um, but it's a really, really beautiful movie, and it's one of the best, I mean, it's one of the best, like, movies about another mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. that I can can think of. It's really, if you like Fargo, it's it's worth taking the time to, to check out Kumiko. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so one of the, the cops who works with Marge meets with a guy who had was running a bar, and this is after, like, that whole chaotic shootout scene, and, um, like, it's kind of a little comic relief scene I, I love where we this get scene. To, yeah we get to decompress a little bit and it's just the, the guy saying oh i heard this guy talking about um he'd killed someone before and he needed a little action and they were going to a place called Moose Lake and he so i called it in end of story so i called it in yeah. called it in Call end it of in. story
0: yep also gets to use the funny looking guy line
1: yes um, <laughs>
4: Oh yeah, and but
0: my favorite and just a regular way, yeah, is the end when they're. I mean, and it it just looks so cold, and they're like, "Heard there's a cold front coming in." You can't, you can't Um, have an interaction in Minnesota without talking about the weather. It's. I don't know if that's true elsewhere. I tend to doubt it, but it's just a constant.
3: We do it a lot in New Mexico.
2: there's there's not enough weather to converse about here. Um, my, my um, my my entire letterboxd review for this movie was just I I could no, never you, live here. I would be so cold all of the time. Like I was cold just just looking at it. I have I have a shot from the movie as my zoom background right now, and I get like it's. It's like 60 degrees and sunny outside, and I have on a fuzzy sweatshirt because I'm just a little bit yeah. chilly, so um, that's, that's the level I'm working I at. I do
3: like you having this background of Marge looking at a dead body in the snow, and you pointed, and we're <laughs> like, it's 60 degrees it's outside, 60 <laughs> and it's just like... Fr- I'm
2: pointing at the window behind yeah, me, but yeah. but we can't see the window, so it just looks <laughs> no, like a frozen no, you're tundra. No, no, you just see frozen, frozen tundra, exactly. Well, it feels like it, so... Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so then we go back to um, Jerry and Marge. That's the meeting that they have where he uh, he flees the interview after she's been kind of like <laughs> led led back to him indirectly by the Mikey and Agita revelation. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. So Marge, he Jerry flees, and then Marge is driving around, and that she this is after like the 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 tip from the guy about Moose Lake. So before Marge gets there, Carl returns to the the cabin or the little shack that they're holed up in. Um he, he looks over and Gene is dead, the host or the the it's not called a hostage, it's a, a kid kidnapping victim. Is
2: the, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: The she said the, the, the I was gonna say kidnappy, yeah. is that
1: is that the <laughs> term you would use? It's now the term. Yeah,
3: I'm kidnapping victim.
2: Yeah, kidnapping victim. So
1: uh yeah, she's dead, which is um, unfortunate. Not really. It's
2: unfortunate for her. Yeah, for sure.
1: yeah.
2: Um, I mean, she's not much of a character. We don't we don't know much about Jean's hopes and dreams. Right. But uh, I, I will say,
1: in first, unfortunate for her and me, Scotty, Scotty has a really yeah. bad. Uh... Yeah.
3: yeah, I know. I will say, they... oh, God, I, Scotty yeah. ends up in a rough I spot. I can't imagine what Scotty's life is like from now on. Yeah, I'm sort of but, glad uh, that yeah. they
1: don't go back to Scotty because. You, Me too. It would be too upsetting.
3: So, yeah.
2: No. It, yeah, it would make it a little too too yeah. real to have to face that, yeah.
3: But um, I like the way that Gina is sort of portrayed. She's not like this like sort of catty asshole of a wife. She's just pretty normal, which makes the yeah. fact that Jerry wants her kidnapped for his own financial benefit even more confusing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah there, she, he,
2: she. He just resents her dad. Basically, it's not. She doesn't seem like she's really any of a. Problem. Yeah, she's
1: she's incredibly nice. Mm-hmm. Like every interaction with her that we see with the two yeah. of them, she's she's nice and not in this fake way. She seems very like just a, a jovial person. And, and um, she
0: defends the yeah. kid to her father, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it yeah. also gets on him about his grades. I don't know. Yeah, there's. She's
3: just yeah. a normal yeah. person. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, why are you? Doing this, Jerry. I hate him.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> he <is> so
2: <laughs> he makes some bad choices. Yeah, Jerry. Every choice. I don't agree with every choice. <laughs>
1: yeah, Jerry <laughs> Lundegaard. Not a nice guy. No, no. I'm gonna put my foot down.
3: I, I like that we said he's the least sympathetic Coen Brothers character at the top of the show, and like, there's literal Javier Bardem playing <laughs> death itself.
2: You know,
1: yeah. No
3: he, for- th- that's
2: a man. That's a man with a code, yeah. though. You know, he 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 has a he has a, of, have he a code that he lives by. He's uh he's flipping coins and you know <laughs> terrorizing humanity, but still less less um ano Well, uh, definitely less annoying than Jerry Lundegaard, but kind of more understandable because you're like, well, okay, if you're evil, you're evil. Jerry Lundegaard is just a yeah. mess.
1: Uh, gray hair.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, Javier Bardem's character? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, yeah, Gare has his killed Jean because uh, he said she started shrieking. Mm. I hate Gare. Yeah. So Carl also. Yeah. So, Carl. Does anybody know
0: how Gare and um, Steve Carl, sorry, Carl. Or Carl. meet? Like, no, how no, are, no, they this this yeah, well, are they in this together? Yeah, why are they
2: crime partners? <laughs> right, why are they crime partners? Like, no, it's, it's really true because they're introduced and you're sort of like these are a pair of guys who apparently do crimes together, but don't seem to have any loyalty to hate, each other whatsoever each other. and kind yeah. of hate each other. I mean, yeah, you kind like, of skipped over yeah. that scene,
3: but like when, uh, they're driving into Minneapolis and, uh, I love the part where Steve Buscemi is trying to like tell him about the, what, what building is it, Jenny? That's the second tallest skyscraper in the Midwest United States of America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only behind uh, the Sears or the Willis or whatever they got in Chicago.
0: Right. I uh, uh, the, God. um, oh, the IDS tower. So yeah. it used uh, to be that that was, like, the only skyscraper in Minnesota. So you would just just see this one <laughs> building. Oh, yeah. gosh. Um, it
3: reminds me of the picture of Cleveland that Nick sent me yeah. yesterday. The uh, Cleveland skyline. You got there. It's just this one and then these little ones. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> There's two. There's the key building and then the terminal <laughs> tower. We've got a second building. Dylan. It...
0: We we have more now, but uh. I say
1: I say I say we like I live in Cleveland still. Akron has zero buildings like that. <laughs> in, in Albuquerque,
3: we only have two skyscrapers, and by skyscrapers I mean um, three hundred and fifty feet.
4: Mm. Yeah. So if
3: that counts, but like our our uh, skyline is just these two sort of uh, pyramid buildings so mm. that are that's it. Mm. The rest is really flat. So, yeah.
1: So anyways, Carl... Uh, thank Carl, you for
3: joining us on yeah. this uh, Urban the- <laughs> Planning and Development <laughs> podcast. Yeah.
1: Um, Carl and Garrett, uh have a, a, a row over who gets the car. <laughs> we split <laughs> it.
2: Well, cause he says He says, you can keep my truck and I'll take the Sierra mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah.
1: And he says, one of them should pay... The hey, other Buy for, him out. Yeah. Yeah. For buy
2: him of out of their half ownership of the car. So funny. And there's
1: two ways this should have gone. Um, one, if he showed loyalty to Carl, he would, or to Gare, he would say, Hey, you know the uh, 80 we were going to split? It's actually a million we're going to split. Isn't that cool? Let's go celebrate. Although that probably would have gotten him killed too, in fairness.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, Yeah, Gare would have just been like, Yeah, that's my million now.
1: The thing is. But if, when he gets to this if, point, he's got. Nine hundred thousand dollars, like buried somewhere, right. he could just, say,
2: "Just buy Give him the car. you.
1: Just yeah. Let him g-
2: Yeah, just give him the car. Like who? That was my exact thought too. Where it's like, just leave mm-hmm. it and just go back and get your money and just never see yep. Gare again. Like that's Carl's that's got what like
0: you- these tipping points where it's like, it's like he's just had um, enough and he's mm-hmm. putting his foot down. And
3: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's
1: to true to his own detriment. Yeah. So he uh, goes to leave after being. Rude to Gare, and uh, he gets axed. So
2: that that is a great like yes. cut too. With he just comes running at him with the axe, these, like, and like, as it's, it's coming down,
3: yeah, the hat, the, the, the hat, cap yeah. and
2: he's uh, just like, wait, yeah, <laughs> he puts his hat on. Now here's someone who's showing good, you know, weather sense. <laughs> he puts his little ear John's. flap hat on before going out to commit ax no murder. Dummy. Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> so. Oh, on God. the hot tip, uh, Marge is driving around, and she uh, fortuitously sees the tan Sierra.
3: Tan Sierra. Tan Sierra. Uh, yeah. It's my vehicle. <laughs> it's my vehicle.
1: She heads on to the backyard. She hears a loud noise.
2: Oh, and <laughs> I don't like it.
1: You see a red splattering like it's... Uh, you know, Wally, maybe? it's everywhere. Like it's, like it's uh, the the fight scene in Kill Bill Volume One. Just lots of yeah. red spraying everywhere. It's like oh, it's, just it's like all uh, lone wolf and cub, uh, just con- condensed to its most splattering. Um, can
2: Can I ask you a question, Nick? That I was wondering about last night, and this is kind of a gross question. I'm so very I apologize. curious
1: as to what this question is going to be. Would, is it a medical corner question? You,
2: well, no, would you be able to like? would that have a smell? Like, this goes back to my why is she just not instantaneously? Like, like I feel like you would be overwhelmed by the grossness of, like, the, the viscera. And, like, it would smell like something. So I just... I've only
1: been in that scenario, as far as uh, any of you know, in, like, a controlled... <laughs> setting it in an operating suite. Yeah, to, to be
2: clear, <laughs> I'm not asking Nick this question because I think he has put anybody in a wood So shifter. the few times that, that I've wood we people. <laughs> so when we've
1: done I mean when we've medical, done medical wood shipping. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've only like <sighs> been like around guts in like uh, uh, an operating room and that's obviously sure. like an enclosed much smaller room. So there is mm-hmm. it's it's not like a a rotting smell or anything like that. But it, it does uh-huh. have a, a an odor that I don't really know how to describe. But that's yeah. a much smaller room, and she's outside, so it may...
2: She's outside, and it's cold. Yeah, yeah. so... No, I know that's a gross question. It's just I couldn't... I, all I'm I really could think out. about is what what would it actually... Be? Like, this was me watching the movie yesterday. I was like, I would just pass out before
0: <laughs> I ever made it to the back. That's the oh. thing about her is she's such a good right. policewoman. She's so yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's so tough. that whole yeah, first that's exactly scene of it. a triple homicide. She's just matter mm-hmm. of fact. Cool, right. and it's clearly yeah. the sort of no, thing I that think that's she exactly doesn't the point.
1: routinely deal with in Brainerd.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Right, and I mean, and you see, I mean, to like I think her, you see her like shaking, like you mm-hmm. see, you know, when she's getting the gun out and everything. It's not like she's not phased by it. It's just it is. She's so professional and she's so. A tough policewoman yep. that, like, one of my
3: little details <sighs> that I love so much about the scene is when she says police, um, and uh, Peter Stromer turns around and she like points to her hat, and she's
2: like, <laughs> points to the badge on her, police. Uh, well, it's very loud yeah. as he's trying to mm-hmm. um shove the the last foot. Peter
3: Stromer oh. looks like a total idiot with that hat and that <laughs> those long johns on as he's like oh, pushing God. a plank of wood to get Steve Buscemi's like yeah. left foot,
2: a little sock foot. Yeah, that's God. gross. That scene was so much grosser than I remembered. Like so much. Jesus Christ. So yeah, it would sorry. it would smell sort yeah. of
1: like a butcher shop. I think it's mm. like the cl- the closest okay. like relatable comparison I could come up okay. with.
2: Okay, yeah, not not ideal, but I gotcha. you yeah. gotcha.
1: Um. So she he tries to make a run for it, and uh, great great shot by her. Like he's he's Perfect Very shot. far away, and she manages to nail him in the leg. Go
2: right in the hamstring just takes him down goes for the
1: leg a mm-hmm. uh, novel concept i know I think. right
2: <laughs> right yeah i know cuz it made me so nervous like like as he's running away and she's like pulling a gun on the back of someone who's running away and i'm like oh i, I don't like yeah. this and then just ultimate pro mm-hmm. right right in the hamstring just takes him down everyone lives to see another day
1: and um, the I, I think that <laughs> This scene of her driving away, and this is not a hot take, but it's like maybe the most transcendent that the Coen's ever get. And it makes me almost yeah. yep. think that despite all of the um, just like fucked upness and horrible things that happen in this movie and like the existence of someone like Jerry, um, this is like sort of a hopeful film in its own like weird way. Yeah. Just yeah.
3: in all because and of her speech added- at the end. It, it I has, think it gets added to the scene after this
0: too. Yeah. Yeah, it has yeah. a soul. It. Yeah. I don't think yeah. all of their films do. Um, mm-hmm. But right. it's because now of the,
2: her, Yeah. Yeah. The the way she says like all for a little bit mm-hmm. of money is just it's so heartbreaking. Like you can see like she's she's gone through this whole thing and you can see her trying to process yeah. it and just you know she she can't. It's like you, and she lists out you know those all the people he mm-hmm. killed. And it's and a uh, it's, like and it's a beautiful day. Yeah. That's
3: my favorite line reading yeah. she has. Yeah, is after uh, like reading all that, and it's like oh, it's just for money. And then she's like, and it's yeah, a beautiful day. Like, yeah.
1: What did you do this for? Like,
2: yeah, yeah. And, and you almost he, he kind of gets a look on his face where it kind of makes it almost seems like he's going, yeah. huh? Like, like it's like it didn't occur to him until that point that maybe he didn't have to do this. I,
3: like, ugh. I see a lot of people describe this movie as biblical. Um, And I think that's kind of apt for this sort of like Mm -hmm. tale of morality that is told.
2: I I like that Roger described it as like Shakespearean. Yeah, I think Shakespearean, kind of. And similarly, in the end, it had like a Shakespearean tragedy where at the end there's always someone left over to be like, what did we just watch? (laughs) Like we just watched a a tragedy unfold. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then um, like we see Jerry get arrested, um, and even his arrest is like he just seems like such a (sighs) dickhead.
0: Well, it's like he's just so focused on himself, like yeah. yeah.
2: He's trying to climb yeah. out the window. Uh and uh, incompetent until the back end.
1: Back to back to it closes on Norman Marge. and Norm. Uh, we haven't really talked that much about Norm, but he's a yeah. He's he'd... a painter. He likes to go fishing yeah. with night crawlers, yeah. and uh, he was in a like a painting competition of some sort, and they chose. A painting he did of a mallard uh for the three cent stamp
2: yeah people need the three cent stamps yeah when they raise the postage because
1: his 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 friend or i guess like competitor won the 29 cent stamp Mm -hmm. yeah he sees
2: remember 29 cent stamps guys i have no idea how much a stamp is
1: Uh, now it's like 32 or something like
0: that no is it is it really no it's like it's over 50 50,
2: i think i think it crossed the 50 but you can get the so unfortunately bad news uh for for the moral at the end of this story you don't actually need the three cent stamps anymore because you can buy the forever stamps and when they raise the postage you still have the forever stamps um so that that part is, is no longer true for poor norm um but yeah no stamps are like 52 cents or something just crazy i know
1: we should just privatize. But, we should right. just Stamp privatize digression. the USPS. That'll fix it. Hey. I'm joking, folks. Okay.
2: I got my drawer full of stamps over here. I, I compulsively buy stamps that I then have to find excuses I to use. this drawer so. is
1: full of stamps, but it must be the drawer in our kitchen. Do you guys want me to uh pause real quick and I can no. go get the no. stamps that I have?
2: No, you can see my my Disney my Disney villain stamps that all have Disney villain cards. We we
1: actually couldn't that. see it cuz of the no. zoom uh background background. I, I was
2: trying to <laughs> See, you can kind of there you go. See, you can kind of see Gaston if I okay. There we, exactly. we go, there we go. Oh, there she is. Yeah. There you
3: um, go. but uh, I ju- I still just love the way after this whole movie of like greed and money and stuff, it's just like you know the
2: 3 stem stamp's important. Yeah. Right. Well, and she the way she says like because she just. It amazingly solved this crime, solved probably like the biggest crime that their community has ever or will ever see. Yeah. And then she comes home and she says to Norm so genuinely that she's proud yeah, of him so for sweet. his, his painting. And it's the sweetest it's the thing seat. in the whole world. Ugh. How is this yeah, not on the Vulture's
3: sees... best movie in need list?
2: I know. It's so good. It's just, ugh. yeah, just the yeah, sweetest. I love it.
1: They're, a, they're like a top tier um, movie couple where they're just... oh. They're nice and they're nice to each other and they love each and other. It's, and it's very heartwarming.
0: Just the way she looks at and him. It's yeah. Just, it's, yeah.
1: Uh,
2: absolutely. Yeah the, just, yeah. the way she smiles at him, the way she looks at him in that final scene. Is, oh, is It's, it's so very perfect.
1: heartwarming for a movie where not five minutes before this, we saw a foot Thanks. sticking out of a wood chipper.
2: <laughs> wood chipper. Exactly. And it's funny too, because John Carroll Lynch would sort of go on to play just the most like creepy People you ever did see in so many movies, and so for him to be so, like just the the supportive husband who's a who paints ducks and makes eggs and is so wonderful, and it's like, oh yeah, he also Likes his night does cross. this doesn't just play doesn't just play terrible uh, terrible killers in yeah. movies.
1: Um. So yeah, that is uh, that is Fargo. Fargo. What uh, thumbs up and thumbs down wise, um, Janna.
2: Oh, th- th- thumbs up on this okay. one. Yeah.
1: Dylan. Up. And Jenny, would you go thumbs up or thumbs down? I would
2: go thumbs up. <laughs> okay. Way up. Imagine if all of a sudden yeah, all of a sudden you were like, like you, you know, know what? This thumbs bad down. Mo- <laughs> bad movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh stars. Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously going thumbs up too. Uh Jana, mm-hmm. how many stars would you give this?
2: Oh, it's it's four okay. stars.
1: This me. is jenny we're using the roger ebert uh, out of four yeah, we have to, the, we uh, have
2: we're stuck doing four out of four stars oh. not out of five stars because roger yeah. insisted on a four star rating scheme so we we go with roger
3: so i'm four stars
0: jenny four
1: yeah and four for me like no doubter it's yeah Do you i love movie so much
0: in his book have there been any ones uh, well, yeah. No, the he great only has...
3: Books, no,
4: so no, I know. Yeah, we're what only do I mean doing... you
3: guys? Yeah. Oh, not yet. Uh, The lowest uh, i rated a movie was... Uh, I think I gave a one and a half out of four to Belle du Jour. Yeah. That's
2: crazy. I did he not didn't like, like Belle, Belle du Jour. De Jour. Um, we, we were pretty low on the original Dracula. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think we all gave it... Twos? I think we all gave that like movie thumbs like down. One and a half like or two. Two
3: star movie. I'd like
2: two out of four. Like, yeah. Those were... and. Dracula is the only one I think I've is the only one I've given a thumbs down to I think, I think so. Think? Same,
1: with, same with me In,
2: yeah. including out of his hated movies yeah
1: we, we all <laughs> his hated
3: movies. oh no I you gave oh, I Armageddon oh, I gave Armageddon a oh I gave
2: a thumbs down, down to too. Armageddon that's right so yeah, at, at, the, a bad at the end
3: of every season we do one of his most hated movies because okay. he has a list for that too and so we've
2: done yeah.
3: Armageddon Death Race
2: uh and Usual Suspects.
3: Suspects
0: oh we hated Usual Suspects yeah
2: yeah. 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 Interesting. He, hated it. he he did not care for the yeah. twist. He thought it was uh bad and dumb. so yeah. I, I
3: gave it a thumbs down too. Which, but seeing so it, not,
0: yeah, at the time. But rewatching yeah. it doesn't really.
3: No, it gives nothing. Yeah. Um, no. But I, I I gave it a two and a half out of four, which is a it's like average, but like down. So
0: right.
2: It, but, it was just kind of like lightly
3: just... down. It could have gone either. But
2: way. then we discovered that Dylan is Armageddon's biggest fan. Yeah, that so wild. that was the real. I, I that not, was the I'm not real Armaged- turn.
3: I think I gave that a two and a half out of four too. It was just on the other side of just <laughs> yeah, barely so, But yeah.
2: Nick and I were so Armo mad. At is Armageddon.
0: Armageddon. Yeah. As Armageddon. <laughs> as is Armageddon. To Dylan. No, to I,
4: don't,
3: Dylan. <laughs> I don't. need to be put in this part.
0: Ah,
2: god. Speaking
1: of Ebert's most hated movies, uh, I, I know you have to leave in a few minutes, Jana.
2: Yeah, I got I got a couple okay. minutes, but yeah, we gotta so, go soon.
1: Uh, yeah, let's do a quick round of what we've been watching lately. Um, I do want to hear your reaction to Ken Russell's The Devils.
2: Yeah, that's the only thing I've been watching lately. Because well, because you watched other it, other it thing five I've been times watching lately. <laughs> you just
1: can't. You just I'm have it on repeat <laughs> all week. <laughs> you just
2: can't stop watching The Devils. No. Um, so the 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 to go ahead and get out in front of Dylan's. Also, uh, Dylan and I have been watching um Twin yeah. Peaks. Oh, yes. This past week I'm we did so a We did a Twin Peaks you. marathon. I know. Yeah, um it's been great. We <laughs> binged ba- I keep saying we like we were in the same room, but We've cross, been, cross, been trying cross, to like sort You of have been pretty well of the yes. same pace. We've been we've been syncing up. I'm a little behind you now, but um I think only one episode sort of cuz instead of out. doing
3: two I only did one yesterday.
2: Oh, perfect. Okay. Um so we watched the entire this started a week ago so in the past week we watched the entire first season and then the first seven, seven or eight, eight episodes sense, of the yeah. second season yeah so um that's been most of my and our free time has been watching twin peaks turns out good show yeah. who knew yeah like <laughs> well, it's not like people have been telling me for 25 me, years 30
0: years yeah you're being <laughs> sarcastic right <laughs> Yeah, no, yes, I talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I just. You. Nick
2: would
3: recommend this show, I think, since the first episode we did on this podcast. I,
0: yeah. I really yeah. think that David Lynch benefits from being constrained by television because. Yeah. And, and in my view, Mulholland Drive is the best movie, and that was actually a television pilot. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think about that all the time, especially when I was watching Twin Peaks. All I could think of is so Mulholland Drive was going to be a TV pilot, huh? Like, I can't. I, that would have been something. To, I mean, I'm glad yeah. it's a movie because it's one of my favorite all-time movies, mm-hmm. also, um, and I'm glad to be able to call it that. But yeah, I can't imagine if that had been a TV
0: show. No, um,
3: I I totally agree with your point, and I mentioned this in the chat, and I think Nick kind of slaughtered me for this. But um, besides Dune, because I forgot about that part, besides Dune, Blue Velvet is probably my least favorite David Lynch movie. I kind of watch Blue
2: Velvet, but have you Which... seen
1: how much? How many of his movies have you seen though? Because I think Blue Velvet, Elephant like,
3: Man, Mulholland Drive dune blue velvet Lost highway.
1: um no i haven't seen lost
2: highway okay. i think you've watched like his best yeah, like ones, I, is what I, it I think sounds like it's
1: <laughs> unequivocally better than i mean and i like all these movies but i think it's unequ- except i don't and, really like dune but i think it's unequivocally be fair, better than lost highway inland empire wild at heart uh-huh. which i mean i like all of those i like it better than elephant oh. and, and straight Story, and eraser
3: head eraser head was
1: the last one i was forgetting yeah, I like Blue um, Velvet better than all those. Basically, except um, it's sort of neck and neck with Mahal and Drive and then Twin Peaks, the the TV versions of it. I think are the his, universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you watch I, did you, Jenny? Did you watch season three?
0: No, I haven't. I heard it's great, so it's, it's on the list.
1: It's wild. It's one of those things where he is constrained by um like the the medium of TV, but it's also one of those. Like, how did, sh- why did Showtime give him money to do this? It's so weird. Like, I can't imagine being a, yeah. like a regular, I don't even know what else is on Showtime, but being a producer and looking at, looking at that and being like, oh yeah, we can, there's like a giant talking tea kettle or something yeah. like that because David Bowie <laughs> died.
0: It yeah. it just tickles me that that was on network television. Yeah. Like, oh, back yeah, in but, the day yeah. when. Yeah.
2: Right, like I, this is around the same time that I was watching like Murder She Wrote with my parents or whatever, yeah. and or we could have flipped the channel apparently and watched Twin yeah. Peaks. Jesus. Like I, so that's, I love that. I, I'm trying to imagine being, but uh, I do too. Like
3: the th- so, I, even though I still like Blue Velvet, um, I was worried going into Twin Peaks that it would remind me a lot of Blue Velvet. It's got comic MacLachlan. It's not like that was not technically a murder mystery, but it's sort of like this weird thing is going on and like mm. who's done this you know? Um, it's mysterious. Yeah, like, I'm trying to find the right word, yeah. but... um,
2: I mean, so is Mul- Mulholland drives a... Mi- like, he does a lot of mystery yeah. type... You yeah, know, but like... It, yeah, it, Mulholland drives essentially a mystery, too. Like,
3: the Kyle McLaughlin thing, it, the overlap there, and, like, I don't... I don't exactly vibe with sort of, like, just the grimy intensity of Blue Velvet, and so the fact that, like, Twin Peaks is sort of this, like, joke of a soap opera...
2: It's like gentle. I'm loving this it so much. It's a very gentle show, considering. Yeah. And what I love, it's I love the about. difference
3: between like the kind of character Kyle MacLachlan plays in Blue Velvet versus Coop. Coop's yeah. the best.
0: Well, here's my my fun yeah. Blue Velvet fact: um, the scene where um, Isabella Rossellini is naked and walking down the street was inspired mm-hmm. by that that Nick Ut photo.
1: Of the Vietnamese
2: woman. Oh. Uh, oh, really? Uh, of the with the clothes mm, burned off. Wow. That was her
0: wow. inspiration. Yeah.
1: So that is actually yeah. another movie that uh, Ebert famously hated.
0: Blue Velvet. I oh, believe. Blue Velvet. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Which he was wrong about I that. See that. So, so well, in addition to Twin Peaks, I'm, I'd need to hear what you thought about The Devils, which oh, yes. is just a so speaking.
2: Speaking movie. of movies that apparently Roger Ebert hated, yeah, that's hated. in his, his uh, official list of Russell. most
1: hated movies. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so this was my first Ken Russell movie, um, and I had been meaning to, wanting to watch it for years. Um, I was telling them last night, like I, it played at our local um, art house theaters of restoration, and like I just missed it, and so, and then I was like, oh well, I should check it out. Found out it was very impossible to track mm-hmm. down, um, but it has been on the Shutter streaming service in an admittedly pretty terrible transfer. It's all like tiny and letterboxed and weird. Um, but it, I mean, it doesn't like look bad. It's just not super high def. Um, Is it th- when but... I watched
1: it on? I think it was on FilmStruck, or it was like maybe mm-hmm. very like first few months of Criterion. Was it both um, mm-hmm. letterboxed and pillarboxed? Yes, that's how I yep. saw it too, and it mm-hmm.
2: drove me nuts. Exactly. So it's it's condensed, condensed. Yeah. Is like, this the one
0: where the naked it's... men uh, on the bearskin rug ha- um, grapple with each other?
2: No, this is just a bunch of naked nuns running around desecrating (laughs) uh, Christian imagery. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So, The Devil's – this Ken Russell movie, 1971, I think, um, basically based – well, speaking of based on a true story, um, there was, like, a real guy who was a Protestant priest um, back in the 16th century – and this – the story is basically about a, a nun who's the head of a convent who becomes like – develops like a psychosexual obsession with him. Um, totally one-sided. She doesn't know him. Um, and also the uh, – it's Vanessa Redgrave. She has severe scoliosis. So she's kind of like hunchbacked and uh, develops a sexual obsession with this priest who um, – to put it in modern parlance, he is a priest who fox. Like he <laughs> is. Um, he's, he's out there um, sleeping with a bunch of women, impregnating women. Um, but – Basically this nun who is obsessed with him ends up in concert with political forces that also want to bring him down, um, orchestrate his downfall. Um, and it is a wild, wild it's, movie. Just it is um bananas. I, Yeah, it bananas. is um, there is some imagery in the movie that is some of like the, the some of the most upsetting like just have you guys so seen did you, Oh sorry, I, go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask. Did you? Because I, I mentioned <laughs> this to you when you were saying that you watched it. Did you read what the deleted scene mm-hmm. was? I and did. And you're like, read you're like, okay, that's scene was disgusting. And I kind of see it, like it sort of makes sense. Yeah,
2: there's like a famous mm-hmm. delet- ending deleted scene that like, sort of like a, a there's like a, it's the scene cuts off like kind of abruptly. Mm-hmm. And then if you Google like deleted scene about what was supposed to happen next, it was uh, something very upsetting. <laughs> Um, okay. So <laughs> go ahead and Google that if you uh, want to both watch The Devils and then read about the deleted ending scene. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, the reason I watched it last night home alone after watching Fargo was just that it's leaving Shudder at the end of April. So it'll probably circle back around. They've had it come and go. And I'm hoping that maybe that restoration that was touring for a while will actually be put out someday. Um, but yeah, if you have shudder and are interested. You have another couple days, probably by the time yeah. you hear this to maybe get it. Um and, and watch it because it was an experience. I'm super glad that I i watched it. But yeah, it's a weird one. <laughs> My favorite character, by the way, was the witch hunter exorcism priest who What's... looked like he walked off the set of a 70s music video into um he has like long mm-hmm. hair and like John Lennon glasses. Um and yet is Supposed to be a, a 16th century yeah. exorcist, or yeah, 1600 exorcism priest. So, you know,
1: sure, it's
2: good stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, good movie. That's what I've Roger watched. Roger hated Yeah, it.
2: That, that's that's I do not doubt that for yeah. a second. Um, but yeah, Twin Peaks and that are all, all I've been up to recently.
1: Uh, Dylan, have you seen anything this week aside from uh, besides Twin Peaks?
3: Yeah, um, I saw three other movies. I decided to sort of take a Palette cleanser with sort of like the weird disturbing darkness that is Twin Peaks and watch Andre Zulowski's possession. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um I thought the possession was like a metaphor. Oh, no.
2: No. I haven't seen the movie and I know that.
3: Okay. Yeah. So I went in thinking like it was like a metaphorical or maybe slightly <laughs> <Doesn't> heightened reality <laughs> sort the of
2: poster. Have like a. I thought it was a
3: metaphor. On it.
2: Okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs>
3: um, I don't want to spoil that movie for anyone that hasn't seen it, but uh, long story short, it's not metaphorical.
1: No. Uh, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's uh, probably there's some possession. <laughs> that is the perfect description of it.
3: It's probably the most fucked up movie I've ever seen in my life. And I, cool. in general, I Sounds think you good. guys know I'm not really a, a connoisseur of fucked up movies, so I'm sure there's a ton of others that I have I have not seen that uh, are more fucked up.
2: That's probably okay.
3: But, um, what the fuck? And so then I Sounds decided good. to completely 180 that, and I watched the Indian Bollywood romantic fantasy comedy drama musical epic Om Shanti Om. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that or heard of that. Um probably maybe one of my top five new movie of the year so far Ooh. um awesome awesome movie the final 20 minutes i was like freaking out it was the best movie um i wrote in my letterbox to review the best script i could give it was like if there were like inside out emotions in my mind every single one of them was just pressing every darn button <laughs> all at once <laughs> that that was my entire reaction to that movie Nice. And then lastly, I saw the For All Mankind documentary, which is sort of a compilation of all the Apollo missions into one. Um, it it and it, it's it's interesting how it decides to cut them together, where it takes every mission and cuts it chronologically into where it would be on each mission. So like, um, I don't know which uh, one of the Apollo cool. missions did a spacewalk. So after they take a the. After the spaceship launches, there's a spacewalk, and I was like, "Wait, that's not an Apollo 11." But then it cuts to them going to the moon, and then at halfway to the moon, um, the oxygen tank blows on Apollo 13. And so it's Apollo 13. And so it, cool. it's sort of this melding uh. of every Apollo mission together. And um,
2: is it is this on Criterion? Dylan, yeah, or did you watch it? It's
3: on Criterion, yeah. and I think it's also on Amazon if you want to rent it and don't have Criterion. Nice. Um, and I adored it. And one of my favorite things about it is, um, there's just sort of like these light, it it doesn't cut to talking heads, but just sort of the astronauts talking about what they're doing or literally as they're filming in the space shuttle, like talking about what they're doing. And especially like when they get to the lunar surface, it's just sort of these like dudes having fun and like, they're joking with each other about like, if you're going to hit the brake on your lunar rover right there, you're going to (laughs) flip. And one's pretending like he's in the Grand Prix and he's just driving around. And it's just like, this is like everything I needed last night. It was just a sense of wonder with also this very human sense of, nice. It was a great combo. And I immediately recommended it to Jana by saying it yeah. was the awe of Apollo 11 with the dude bros of Apollo 13.
2: <laughs> yeah, I gotta, it, so, it sounds really good. I gotta it, check it, it out. It
3: would definitely be something you would enjoy, I think. Yeah so awesome. uh, that's
1: that's mine yeah jenny what have you watched this week
0: well dylan has been curating some of my uh <laughs> movies um so i watched cass um ken loach
3: oh i also watched that i just didn't log it on Litterboxed. oops there you go oh,
0: okay um, I've been watching the QAnon documentary on HBO, which is oh, yeah.
2: is that good? I've yeah. heard good things.
0: Um, And um, quite I honestly, I watched a lot of court TV the last couple of weeks. So
1: yeah. yeah, nice.
0: I
3: think we. My voice sounds can. a little hoarse. Yep.
0: It's because there's been a lot of <laughs> cheering in Minneapolis this week. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
2: That's
1: good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: For I once, uh, had a positive ending.
2: Yeah. 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 For once.
1: Unlike Kes, which is a movie that I know the ending of and will not watch.
3: It is yeah. sickening. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Just reading the, uh, the plot summary to it uh, infuriated me, so I'm just like, yeah, it's, I could take a pass on this one. I'm not going to be able to see every movie I want to before I die. That'll be one of those that I don't, I think. <laughs> I'll just
2: skip it. So, yeah. You got to make that yeah. choice sometimes.
3: This was one of the very few times I wasn't able to watch life with the movie group I'm in with uh, Jenny. H- how did you react to the ending?
0: I mean, I've seen Ken Loach
3: before. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that's a <laughs> what perfect was way to describe it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I've only seen it's... two of his movies, and um, one I really like and one I really dislike. I love The Wind That Shakes the Barley, but I'm like on an island by myself and really not liking I. Daniel Blake. Mm.
3: Yeah. It's my only Ken Loach movie I've seen, so.
1: This is. the wind that shakes the barley is a great it's another one that just like it it makes me just incredibly angry um but it's it's a it's a wonderful
3: movie yeah gotcha yeah
1: so nick Uh, what have you watched so i watched um la Clectionus, which is a movie that i'm not pronouncing correctly uh i'm certain (laughs) uh, which is the uh fourth of eric romer's uh six moral tales
4: Uh, yeah uh-huh. Sure. good
1: movie it's about a a guy and uh his buddy and a girl and they vacation together and it's sort of um eyes wide shut not i'm
2: gonna say everything goes yeah, great not,
1: not in like a culty way but in a uh it's clearly a guy who's spending his time trying to get laid and he could if he uh wasn't so much of who he is um, that's Fair sort of enough. that's sort of an unfair reductive way to look at this movie, but uh, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, we rewatched. Speaking of awesome movie couples, uh, I rewatched The Thin Man with Nelly, who'd never seen it before. And oh, so bless good, you, Nick and Nora Charles are uh, also a top tier movie couple. I think they basically yes. like just get hammered and solve crimes and <laughs> banter with each other and
2: have a cool dog. Yeah, they have a great like, dog. <laughs> uh, oh, eventually, God. they have a baby and just like hang out with their put their baby in like a little drawer and everything's chill. yeah so oh, uh love nick and nora <laughs> the
1: the wb uh like the warner archive shop uh last month had a buy four for 44 sale or something like that and they had four of the thin mm-hmm. man movies this is the only one i'd seen before so i bought the four that they had so i'm looking forward nice. to diving into more
2: they're also more good.
1: nick and nora charles uh i watched Excellent. dragon in the king who uh wuxia movie which is very cool Lots of nice, awesome. Good sword fighting and all that. Um, I rewatched 2046, the uh, second oh. most recent one carway movie, or maybe the third. I'm not sure when this comes in uh, relation to My Blueberry Nights, but uh, it's sort of, he, in one of the bonus um, features, he says it's not a sequel to In the Mood for Love, but it's an echo of In the Mood for Love, which is like an interesting way to describe it because it, it it is like the tony lung character uh like years down the line but it's really like quite different from from in the mood for love in terms of like the tone and how his character acts and the, uh there's a lot of it that's different it's basically just him uh hooking up with uh lots of beautiful women and then i i watched um Kenneth Anger's Fireworks, which is like an experimental short movie from the 40s. I've never seen any of his stuff before. and uh, I liked it. I don't think I understood it. But, you know, it was cool to look at. Neat movie. Cool. Alright. So, um, that was Fargo.
2: That was Fargo.
1: Pretty cool movie. Pretty cool. Next (laughs) next week we will be talking about Yasujiro Ozu's Floating Weeds. It'll be the first Ozu we cover, and
2: Dylan's time to oh shine. Je- He's just like Jenny- bursting. Which, yeah
3: <laughs> Which Jenny knows because I forced them to watch Late Spring.
0: Forced. Oh, it's a good. We yeah. voted on it.
3: I know, but like I, I forced the issue of like we need to have an Ozu movie in the vote at least, and I, it did win. It was great. And uh, I do believe you liked it, right, yes. Jenny? Yes. Late, late Spring, really good movie, yeah. right, Nick?
1: Yeah. Lots of sad apple cutting and. What's God. What's like uh, this will be Jenna's first Ozu, right?
2: It will be. Yeah, it's a good one. I am. I, I'm glad. I'm glad it's a good. I mean, I've, apparently they're all good. But, yeah, um, they
3: literally yeah. are all. Well, two of them are conflicting, but sure. Um, I feel very ready. As Jetty knows, um, we in our in our movie group, we do a watch with a, a live um, chat on the side. It's like the watch party feature on Amazon. And most of Late Spring, I was basically doing film commentary yeah. about everything Ozu does. Like, I, 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 I kind of tried to stop myself halfway through and was like, I'm getting way too technical and boring.
0: No, it was really great. And I mean, no, it's yeah. not like it, it's interrupting watching the film in the same way that if right. you were, you know, talking and watching it. Yeah, yeah, sitting next to somebody. Yeah, so you can yeah. choose to kind of hide the chat if you want. But yeah, I, I, I liked it. Focus.
3: Yeah. So I, I feel very ready to. Um, to Pod
1: said so that.
2: And I will watch the yeah, movie. Yeah.
1: And it's right now it's available on Criterion. Then I believe it's also on Hulu. It looks like. Yes. So. Cool. It is.
2: Uh, Imagine like just scrolling through Hulu and stumbling on.
1: Yeah, like I an know. Ozu
2: movie. Like I'll throw this on.
1: Do you remember when the Criterions used to be on Hulu like years and yep. years ago? That's
2: that's how I watched. Um, uh. Picking a hanging rock for the first oh. time was because I was on Hulu and they had like a Criterion Jenna was subsection, that and day. I yeah. was I was radicalized. That might have been the first Criterion I watched. That was like ten years ago. It was like very early Hulu yeah. days. Yeah.
1: All right, so check that out. Okay. Um, as always, you can follow us on Letterboxd and on Twitter at Great Movies Pod. Thanks, as always, to our buddy Scott Brady for doing our artwork. You can find him on Twitter at S. Brady Artist. And Jenny, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for yes. having me. It was me. awesome thank having you, Thank yeah. you, Jenny. That was yeah. great. And it was so fun. We need to have again. you back. Yeah, we need to have you back. Yeah. Well, d- have you we'll written see you in a, a book or two? Have you written a book about any <laughs> other movies that we're going to be talking about, like one letter down the line? <laughs>
2: <laughs> in, like, maybe two to three weeks yeah. from now. Four weeks, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I,
0: I did.
1: Okay, so we will see you then. Yeah. Do you, in the meantime, okay, though, do you have in. anything you want to plug? You do. You have, as I said, written some books?
0: Yeah, well, the title of um, the Big Lebowski book is long. <laughs> the Big Lebowski, an illustrated, annotated history of the greatest cult film of all time. And I didn't
1: have that. I, I, like, when it's I was introducing read. you, I had the the so long version the of the the Godfather one, but I only have the, the short Godfather. version of the Big Lebowski one.
0: Yeah, um, if you are able to get your hands on a hardcover, it's got I'll show you a spinning bowling ball on the front. Ooh! So I have. Oh, that's so cool! Cover, but it's out of print. So that's, I have mine over there
3: yeah. <laughs> with the mic.
0: Um. Yeah, in the Godfather book, the the it's going to be the um. Fiftieth anniversary. So next year they're doing um, the publisher's Great. doing a fiftieth anniversary edition um, for next year. In I think it's coming out in September.
3: Um, oh, but, okay. yeah, it's close enough. Yeah,
0: but, but um, cool. I, don't know I do want to ask to do you. With that, but.
3: <laughs> I do want to ask you for the fact that you're coming on the Godfather pod. Should we read the whole book cover to cover as part of our homework? Like we do with the Ebert essays, or would it be better to have you tell us the stuff on the podcast? Well, that we don't know about. Well,
0: that's up to you. But um, it, it's
3: <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: it's an annotated screenplay. So, and I'm not sure in retrospect. Well, so basically, what it is is it's the screenplay of the finished film, with alongside it, like. anecdotes and interviews and fun facts and stuff so I have had heard people watching the movie while reading the book because you can kind of follow along I don't know if I recommend I mean the movie is such a (laughs)
3: I experience. see it enough though that I think it could work. It
0: could work, yes, yes. Well, and it's always on, yeah. So yeah. I'm probably going to um, watch it more. Literally, I've for,
1: uh, the pod anyway. Yeah. It's like yeah. So <laughs> good. I'll watch it a couple times just because. Why not? It's
0: literally,
2: and always I, on. I do have a
3: question because <laughs> he. Ne- I don't think Ebert ever does Godfather Part Two. That's and that really movie is, that's surprising. I don't think so. And
2: maybe he just wanted to spread the love. Or yeah, part, I don't know.
3: And parts one and two are so linked to each other because it's literally the book is part one and two right are, are we gonna do part two as well
0: well
2: oh, I should, we, should we was that's a lot of very movie.
0: very purposeful in my um research of staying as far away from two as i could because i did not want to get them mixed up so yeah. i mean i was even like on that's a radio point. show at when i was doing press asked a question about godfather 2 like a multiple choice question that i got wrong it was terrible <laughs> but um i don't think it was the same interview where the guy said what's a chick like you? what's a chick doing writing a movie about a book about the godfather yeah. um, awesome. oh yes? no yes and i told him you must not be meeting the right kind of women and he did not like that uh.
2: <laughs> That's a, that's a great, yeah. that's like the perfect response. But, oh, yeah, so I
0: People. know very, very little about Godfather 2. Um, okay. I mean, I read I read the book, I've seen the movie, but um, gotcha. I, I won't add to that discussion. I,
3: okay. We'll talk about that in the chat or whatever. Yeah. When we have yeah. more time, Jenny needs to get to the airport.
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, I do yeah. need to get okay. to the, I need to run to the okay. airport. So, uh, um, yeah, but, find, yeah. Uh,
1: find us at all those places, mm-hmm. find Jenny's books and uh, buy them and... Yeah, we'll see you next week for some Ozu. Roger out. All right, Roger out.
2: Roger out.
0: And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.